It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no. Not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply. Refuse to show vaccine passports. Refuse to wear a mask. Refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army. I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. Because I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. Because I am a soldier. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I am a soldier. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. I will win. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me, for when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I am a soldier in the army. I am marching. I am claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier. dream the other night. I didn't understand. A 
figure walking through the mist with a rifle in his hand. His clothes were torn and dirty as he stood there by the bed. He took off his three-cornered hat and speaking low, he said, We fought a revolution to secure your liberty. We wrote the Constitution as a shield from tyranny. For future generations, this legacy we gave to make you the land of the free and home of the brave. The freedoms we secured for you, we thought you'd always keep. But tyrants labor endlessly. While your parents were asleep, now your freedom's gone. Your courage is lost. You're no more than a slave in your land of the free and home of the brave. You buy permits to travel, permits to own a gun, permits to start a business or build a place for one. On land you think you own, you pay your yearly rent. But you don't have a voice in saying how that money's spent. Now your children attend a school that doesn't educate, and your Christian values can't be taught according to the state. You read about your current news in a regulated press and pay more taxes than you owe to that thing called IRS. Your money's no longer made of silver or of gold. You trade your wealth for paper so your life can be controlled. And you pay for crimes that make your nation turn from God in shame. Now you've taken Satan's number and traded in your name. You give your government control to those who could do you harm so they could padlock churches and steal the family farm and keep the nation deep in debt while putting men of faith in jail and then harass your fellow countrymen while your corrupt courts prevail. Your public servants don't uphold the solemn oath they've sworn. And now your daughters visit doctors so their children won't be born. You send guns and artillery to foreign shore, and then you send your youth to slaughter, fighting other people's wars. Could you regain the freedoms for which we fought and died, or have you lost your courage and your faith to stand with pride? Are there no more values for which you fight to save? Or do you wish your children to live in fear and be a slave? And people of this republic, it's time to rise and take a stand. Defend the Constitution, the supreme law of your land. Preserve your great republic and every God-given right. And let us pray to God to keep that torch of freedom burning bright. to recruit for a militia. God save King George! Broadcasting live and live to Patriot Control of America. You're listening to the Patriot Party Podcast. Now on the show, the chair 
is against the wall. The muskrat jumps over the berm. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more.
Welcome back, fuckers, to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the making with me, of course, my much better, beloved, better half. V. Lynn. Hello, Patriots. I can't even speak tonight. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. A little non-point there. I just, there's no point tonight. Really isn't. We're just going to go through everything we don't, we haven't gotten to yet, which is a ton of shit. And we're going to talk about it all. And we're going to try and get to the end of it and hopefully finish it all tonight. Okay. We'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. As we're pulling all new shit. Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, There's so here. much. No, you no, want to get hot? Yes, I do. Yes. yes this is so shit I, that I pulled. So back is killing me. Yeah. Yesterday, your head was killing you. Today, your back is no, killing you. That was you. last night after the show. That was, I, I don't know. know what the fuck that was. I don't That's, know where that came from. I thought your head was going to explode. I, I thought it was going to, I you. thought it was going to blow up too. Shit. I was not happy. I did not have a good night. My fucking, oh. I don't know what I did to my back, but I you pick something up, jerk the wrong way, and it's right in the fucking lower part of my back. She went to crack my back today. Oh, my God. I was like, hey, stop, stop, stop. I'm, I'm going to pass out. If you keep going, I'm going to pass out. And then you're not going to be able to lift me off of you. We're going to sure. fall over, and you're going to be pissed. And I would understand, but you caused me to pass out, so it's kind of your fault. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. This doesn't even stop. Well, I'm going to go on without her. I mean, that's she's got so much. So, so it's not even funny. Y'all know what time it is. It is right after dinner for us. So, go ahead and hit it if you got it. She's pulling clips, so we're going to be here for a Not too long. It's okay. No, I was listening to this today. You got to keep this up because you can't hear it. When you turn it down, all the way down, you don't hear anything. Wow, wow. This is your attitude, woman. No, probably not. I was uh, shoveling shit today. Shoveling compost out of the chicken enclosure. <laughs> Loaded up six big planter bags full of chicken shit compost. Put a little regular compost on top and planted some seeds. And I came back in and I was still cleaner than Fanny Willis. <laughs> that doesn't take much. <laughs> I hadn't even taken a shower yet. Shit. She's pretty near dirty. That whole thing. I tell you what, we were. I hope you all were watching Liana today because I really don't want to play a whole fucking show full of worth of Fanny Willis clips. Tawdry fucking drama. Yeah, she, uh, <laughs> one of the big things. She totally had her dress on backwards, Sarah, because the guy who was no, actually she didn't. I found another person who said that actually the dress was on right and showed another picture of another dress, much like the one she was. I can't tell the difference. I don't give a fuck. But the zipper never goes in the front. It just doesn't work that way. The zipper doesn't. Well, go she's in the a rather. Would you guys? You guys are not being cautious, conscious. About you're the fucking fashion police, okay? No. No, she had a thirty-three hundred dollar dress on. Don't fat yesterday. shame her. 
She had a $3,300 dress. I, got dress that. I, I just thought it was interesting that she chose to wear a $3,300 dress to court. And the guy that would normally zip her up was testifying against her. So she had to wear it backwards. When you're that big, it's hard to reach behind your back. Wow. And do the whole. Who's fat shaming now? I'm just saying. She hasn't reached around or down for anything in a long time, except for maybe a pair of balls. No, she has to pick her boobs up, it looks like. I'm just saying. Like I said, a pair of balls. They're drooping, I mean. A little bit. Gravity has not been nice to her. No. Damn, I hate gravity. Well, it's fake and gay anyway. I hate gravity too. I've got to fix the hoses in my pepper garden because of gravity. It sucks. Now you have to fix the hoses in your pepper garden because of mass density and weight. You, you don't have to fix gravity. Fix gravity is a theory. I know. You don't have to fix it because of a theory. I know. You have to fix it because of mass density. I have and to weight. fix it because they're too they're drooping too much, and so all the water is coming down in the lowest spot and. You'll have that flooding. Big job. So, you know, it's okay. It's okay. All right. Fuck. And I, I just, I just got into fucking a yesterday's clips, <laughs> which I never pulled because, yeah. You know what? I think I know where you're going with this. We're going to start here. All right. It's got to be these. Yeah, here we go. All right. So Tucker's over. Well, he was over in Russia. And now he's in, I guess he's in Dubai. He's in Dubai. And, uh, but while he was in Russia, he decided uh, to do some normal Russian, show you some, a little bit about normal Russian life over there. Because, you know, they've been under U.S. sanctions for what, two years now, three years now. So, yeah. so they should be hurting, really hurting. Right. I mean, their, their inflation should be through the roof. There should be like the, you know, what they used to tell us when we were kids, you don't want to be a communist because there's no food, there's no selection, there's no, it, it's crap, yada, yada. You know that Putin banned all GMO food four years yeah. ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about that before. I know. Anyway, um, so, uh, and I, I just went to the grocery store, okay, because I had to get stuff to make dog food, and because it's the first Friday in Lent, and he's normally really like, you can't eat meat on Fridays, blah, blah, blah. This year, apparently, he's not so much like that, but he didn't. I didn't get that memo. So I went to the store to get um, basically the seafood to make a, a seafood booty base for dinner um, and stuff for dog food. So uh, I got, let's see, I got a, a gallon of milk. I got a quart of heavy cream. Um, I got a thing of broccoli, even though my broccoli is now broccoli, but it's not big enough yet. And I got a thing of two things of brown rice and a big thing of ground beef, a frozen seafood mix. And it cost me $80. $80. I had 12 items in my cart. Nothing big. The most expensive thing in there was the ground beef and it wasn't the expensive ground beef. It was just big because it's for the dogs, right? It's like the 73% or 
whatever, mostly fat. And that was $13, $12.59. Cost me 80 bucks. Okay. That's like, I mean, thankfully we have a, a lot of other food here. I reorganized all the cabinets last night. I was up again till 2.30 in the morning. Um, but anyway, I was even pulling cans out of the oh shit boxes and putting them up because you can't move them. They're so heavy over there. So anyway, I, uh, I took inventory of what we have because our shopping experience is not like the one that Tucker just had. None of ours are no, in this country. No, not, not these days, not these years. So a longstanding feature, maybe the longest standing feature of Cold War propaganda in the West was the Soviet grocery store. No products, no choices, shoddily made things. And it wasn't actually propaganda, it was real. And you can look up the pictures on the internet if you want. So we thought it would be interesting to take a look at a contemporary modern day 2024 Russian grocery store, two years into sanctions. Here we go. All right, here we go. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back when you put the cart back. So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. Okay, this is the uh, grocery cart escalator. This is designed, I'm figuring this out now, where the wheels don't move, they lock on the grocery cart escalator. Look, Ma, no hands. <laughs> Retail placement here is a little bit different. So you're, it's like walking through Macy's to get to Whole Foods. Okay, we've gotten through the perfume section to get to the grocery store. So we're gonna try and buy what a family of four would buy every week, and we're gonna see what the selection is and we're gonna see what it costs. Now, Russia is famous for its bread, which is one thing I can assess pretty well. The low-carb lifestyle has not swept Russia. Uh, thank heaven, because they, I mean, look at that. It's fresh too. Look at that. Oh, come on. Mm. Unicorn and mini mills. All right. <laughs> Some kind of Russian wheat cookies. Ooh, we need coffee, don't we? I don't know if this is sugar or flour, to be honest with you, but uh, it looks like a staple, so we should get it. It's a very good looking package. It's gotta be flour, right? And this is Russian wine. It's from Crimea, which not only has the warm water naval base, but also is the source of most of the grapes uh, in this part of Russia for wine. So it's apparently pretty good. Cheese puffs. You check out of a grocery store and you've got gum, razor blades, and candy. Actually, they hide the razor blades because we steal them. But these are all seem to be Western products. Mars, Twix, Snickers, Milky Way, Bounty, Gillette, Paul's Cough Drops, Mentos. It's pretty non-sanctioned to me, but what do I know? I went from amused to legitimately angry. Um, so we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody here from the United States buys groceries and we didn't pay any attention to costs as we were just putting in the car what we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks, about 400 bucks. Um, it was $104 US here. 
And that's when you start to realize that ideology maybe doesn't matter as much as you thought, corruption. If you take people's standard of living and you tank it through filth and crime and inflation, and they literally can't buy the groceries they want, at that point, maybe it matters less what you say or whether you're a good person or a bad person. You're wrecking people's lives in their country. And that's what our leaders have done to us. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. We're not making any of this up, by the way, at all. $104 American. $104. That would have fed any family here for at least two weeks, easy. Maybe a, a week, depending, because we have boys that cereal would be gone the minute. The cookies would be, they probably, they wouldn't even make it out of the car. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you'd eat them on the way home. I make two dozen cookies like every three days and they last a day. Seriously. I make three dozen cookies every three days and they last a day. It doesn't matter. You know, as I was going through the grocery store today, I was doing the math in my head because the thing about having a almost eidetic memory is that I remember what the prices were three years ago, four years ago. And I'm going through and I'm looking at it and I'm doing the math in my head. And three years ago, my cart that cost me 80 bucks today would have cost me about 35 to $40. Yeah. That's craziness. I can't believe that. That's Jesus. 104 bucks. 104 bucks. $104. Oh, I, I, all right. Inflation. Yeah. It's what it is. It's what it always is. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is here in, um, West Whiteland Township, Pennsylvania. There's what, like 200 people that live there? Police are starting to notice a new trend. Recently, they have been busting groups that are stealing large quantities of merchandise, and they say the suspects are in the country illegally. The latest theft unfolded at this Ulta on February 1st. We've obtained video from inside the store that shows two men walk inside, both with distinct white patches hanging from their back pockets. Two males come in. Police say they helped steal $2,000 worth of merchandise. They were identified as Albert Terralba Jordan and Caviar Gilarte Campos, both from Venezuela, and police say both entered the U.S. illegally. They're taking advantage of, you know, coming to the United States and committing these crimes and uh, being able to disappear to some degree. West Whiteland Police Detective Scott Pizik has noticed a trend in recent months. He's identified at least three of these groups where the suspects crossed the border illegally. Over the last few months, we've had what we call South American theft groups. The United States saw a surge of illegal crossings at the U.S. southern border, hitting record highs in December before falling a bit in January. Even though the border is nearly 2,000 miles away, police say it's having an impact here. In June, this man was caught on surveillance at Coles and Exton. Police say he stole $17,000 worth of merchandise. The Peruvian national was arrested and deported in the fall, but he's already he's, yeah, he's already, already back. back he's already back mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
We'll what, get, what, we'll get to a clip somewhere in this mess of. What did you what did you think was coming into our country? What do you think? Where do you think all these people came from? They had to come from somewhere, people. You want to know where they came from? They opened their fucking prisons and said, get the fuck out of here. They just dumped all their trash in our backyard. On purpose, by the way. Oh, yeah, on purpose. This is all on purpose. This, too, goes all the way back to Obama and connects everything to him. This was the master plan to destroy this country. I swear to God. There's no other explanation for it. And with our downfall, guess what, Canada? You ain't far behind us. Oh, they're ahead of us. Shit, Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden at the same time? What are the fucking odds? Everything's on purpose. Who wrote I, I, I agree. I can fix it too. Do you hear that Joe went to East Palestine today? It did not go well. No, well, we're not quite to that yet. But um, this came out uh, on <coughs> two days ago, actually, when they were just hearing that he was going to East Palestine. Oh, hmm. is that so? Yeah. On chemicals in the bank. Uh, they're either inept or there's something nefarious going on. Because you can see them with your naked eye, right? I mean, yeah, I can teach a seven-year-old uh, to do this with a stick, and the EPA can't find them with millions of dollars. Well, residents saying water in East Palestine, Ohio, still visibly contaminated nearly a year after a catastrophic train derailment unleashed toxic chemicals on this small community. Neighbors are fighting with local and federal environmental officials, saying they aren't doing nearly enough to address their concerns. News Nation has been on the ground in East Palestine since the very beginning. Rich McHugh has been there as well. Uh, Rich, thank you so much for joining us this morning. So Ohio EPA, they're saying no signs of contamination. What are you hearing from residents? Hey, good morning, Kelly. Well, residents here are saying the EPA should not be taking a victory lap that it has been taking in the press recently, that the, the contamination is obvious if you just look around in the creeks here. And uh, environmental watchdog is also sounding the alarm saying not so fast. Take a look. The creeks here in East Palestine weave their way through town, behind homes, through the park. You walk a few blocks and you're bound to hit one. For the past year, we've documented their contamination. So basically, if you stick the stick in the water, it looks clear, but you stick your stick in the water, you see all the chemicals pop to the surface. Oh, look at all the dead fish. And this is just upstream from where I did this in February. It's now September. Let's see what happens here. Yikes. It just keeps coming. After our report in September, the EPA ordered Norfolk Southern to do more testing and more cleanup. The EPA tells News Nation they are still waiting on those results. And the Ohio EPA this week told NPR, we don't have any science that suggests there is contamination that would pose a human health risk. We don't have any sign of contamination in the air, in the water, in the soil. Problem is, data from an independent environmental group suggests exactly the opposite. Most of the contamination um, that we found with these different, 15 different analytes, we would recommend no exposure levels. Zero. Zero. Um, these are non-natural uh, carcinogenic chemicals. Heather Holton-Von Tassel, head of Three River Waterkeeper, 
tested right here in Sulphur Run in November, and their results are off the charts for 15 different harmful chemicals. Chemicals, carcinogens, that in each category the EPA is documenting at much, much lower levels. We're testing for the same things as EPA and we're finding high, really high levels. Is it safe to say the EPA might not be looking hard enough? It, it's safe to say that the EPA has not done enough testing yet to deem this community safe based on the exposure that we found in the sediment. And just for good measure, we decided to go back out with Rick Chai one more time this week after the EPA said they see no sign of contamination in the water. Look at, look at these chemicals. Can you see those? Here we are at one year. Look at those chemicals. You can't, tell me wow. you don't see that. That's scary. Do you see that? Ann Vogel of the EPA says there is no longer any evidence of chemical contamination in the creeks. Right there. They're lying to you. Look at this. Uh, they're either inept or there's something nefarious going on. Now, I asked the EPA for an interview. They declined that request. I do want to say Dr. Rick Chai, who we just saw there, uh, fed up, as he says, with all the PR and the doublespeak, he's decided to take matters into his, take matters into his own hands, and he's running for Congress here, Kelly. All right, great work out there. Rich, thank you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Go to George. Well, <clears throat> yeah. East Palestine. Hey, what did you all, I mean, I mean, I guess I never thought of it that because every time there's been another major fuck up, right? Think about it. When the, uh, what was the tanker up in Alaska with the drunk captain? grounded the boat oh, yeah, and yeah, ripped yeah. open the hull of the oil tanker. The Exxon Valdez. The Exxon Valdez. When that one broke, that was a government cleanup. Mm -hmm. And that was declared a national disaster area. Yeah. That was a huge I remember that. I was I was I, I was in middle school I think when yeah. that happened. And uh that was a huge deal and I remember Clinton and the government running up there to fucking fix the Valdez and the Dawn commercials. Don't you remember all those goddamn yep. Dawn commercials with the little fucking penguins and they're squirting the Dawn on them. It's how I know that them. I can use Dawn to clean my chickens when needed. I, I just you know that that shit was declared a national disaster area. And that was done by a private company, again, with a drunk captain that did something stupid. Mm -hmm. Here you got a fucking train derailment in a town, in a city, that dumps all these hazardous chemicals. And then they, no, it didn't even dump them. If you remember. Oh, they burned. They burned them. Yeah. Those containers couldn't, they, they weren't breached. Until they burned them. So, and they burned them off and all the chemicals, which probably made it worse. Yeah. Made it a lot worse because they have no, t no idea. Now are all over the fucking place yep. in this town. Again, under Democrat leadership, here we are with what the Russians considered stable leadership, which I don't get, maybe just stable that they can fuck with them harder. And they considered Trump to be unstable, which I really don't get. That doesn't, it sounds like- We live in an upside down No, world. it sounds like the Russians are playing a game. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm -hmm. The Russians want us to believe that they want the fucking liberals in charge because they do, because they're easier to push around. If, if you're going to push somebody around, you don't want somebody that's going to push back.
You're not going to fucking sit there and go, yeah, I want Donald Trump. Cool, Jeff. But either way, you see what I'm saying? Under two different presidents, we have two different standards. One declared it a fucking emergency, a national emergency. And this one, he doesn't give a fuck. He just went there a year after the derailment. Wow. Thanks, bud. And and this is in... Um... Look, they're they're waiting for him. This is awesome. This is look, they're out there with signs for him. Oh shit, my bad. That's the message. That's the message to Biden right there. Oh my little too late. How you guys doing? There you go, guys. Out here in East Palestine, this is uh, Joe Biden finally showing up more than a year later. And that's the message. Real simple. Too little, too late. Joe, too little, too late. All right, Mike, why is everyone out here? This is Trump country here. This is nothing but a political stunt. Mike Rooley says he's going to be our next congressman. And this town needs 250, 300 million dollars. Our slogan is "Too little, too late, Mr. Biden." Yeah, this Real town. Simple. Yeah, you don't see any support in this town for Mr. Biden. Yeah, you say Mr. Biden. Yeah, Mr. Biden. That's it, Mr. Biden. Yep. God bless you guys. God bless yeah. you too. Yeah. Good to see you. Let me see those ones. Hold them up. There you go. Resident, not president. Don't sniff me, Joe. Don't sniff me, Joe. I love it. Latino for Trump. Puerto Rican. I love it. God bless you. That's East Palestine, baby. Honored to be out here, guys. Honored to be out here. Wow. <laughs> God, I'd love to see his face when he drove into that. What did you just want to Okay. I have never in my entire life. Now, granted, I've only walked this earth for 47 years. I know many of you have been around a lot longer. But in my entire life and in the history that I've been able to research. I have never, ever seen such a blatant, just blatant disrespect for a sitting president in office. Oh, yeah. Even Kennedy. Think about this real quick, folks. Even Kennedy, who was hated, by the way, in the South. In, in 63, he was fucking hated. He was doing that Dallas tour to fucking try and, and drum up some vote. support yep. and try and do. They still had people out there that were going to vote for him. people lined the streets. You didn't see shit out there for the other guy. You saw shit out there for Kennedy. Yet this motherfucker is about to go to this town and there ain't a soul. Not a fucking soul. The best thing they could all do is turn their backs to him. Well, they, they managed to drum up a couple of people who wanted to, you know, meet the resident in chief. But he fucked that up, too. Go figure. 
Everybody thinks Delaware is almost four billion dollars. Four billion. Wow. Who gives a fuck about four billion dollars of boiler chickens in Delaware? Yeah, your shit. Come here. Let me show you, let me show you guys something. This is so cool. Come here. Come here. All right. Hey. So when I was a firefighter, right? Okay. I had this lady that we had to always go pick up. Always had to go pick her up off the ground because she fell, right? Guess what she suffered from? Dementia. Dementia. So every night it was like reintroducing ourselves, hearing the same story that she told us the first time. And of course, she has no caretaker there because her family's a bunch of shitheads. That's the part of the job that gets to you. Just by just people, so you know why you finally walk away from that job is because you keep responding to shit like that. And you know exactly who you're going to. And you know for a fact that there are family members that are still alive that can help this person. And they refuse to do anything for him. That's the fucked up part. Anyway, every night I'd bend over to pick her up, get her off the floor, and put her back in bed. Because she would fall getting out of bed or something crazy, whatever. She, When you have dementia, you lose a lot of that outer motor flexibility. Meaning your arms become crimped. And your shoulders become shuttered. You can't really do this. And you can't really do this. Because your muscles have start, started to. Um, not deteriorate. But atrophy. Because your brain just can't make them work. So she would grab me. Just like this. Mm -hmm. Just go to the end of that clip. Play that clip again. Go to the end of it. Like when Joe was grabbing that guy from the Farm Bureau. Because he grabs him right there. Go right there. Hit play. That is that right there. That face, those hands, that's exactly like what that woman looked at me every fucking night I'd pick her ass up. No bullshit. And you can see this guy. Hold on. Oh, I'm I'll put it up a little bit. The guy next to him when he's everybody thinks Delaware is four billion dollars. Right, yeah, that, his handler. That face right now. This this guy is with him. He's he's an East Palestine guy, but oh, okay. this guy right here, like. Oh, I was saying the other guy's handler. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah, no, but he's like he's like he's like oh wow, really? Like uh -huh. he's telling him something important. You know, it, really? like like you're talking, like you say to a toddler when a toddler comes over, y'all. If you have kids, you remember when your kids were little and they'd come up to you and they'd be like, "Mom, Dad," and they just start rambling into the most you know ridiculous story that had no beginning or end or point, and you just be like, you just completely, completely pandered wasted, to them. You, wasted and, their money at the story, story, right? Exactly, and you'd be like, "Wow, that's awesome! Tell me more about it." That's that guy. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. No, no. It was like, like, wow, that's wow. No, it was like when we used to do surveillance, right? 
even in the military, when we did surveillance, it was like if we were doing live on the street, like surveillance, following somebody, right? We would be sitting there having conversations, eating food because you would have to talk that you would have to make it look like you were engaged in what was going on around you. Right. Mm -hmm. What we would have conversations, we would literally sit there and make fun of people. We'd be like, yeah, like this dickhead behind you. Holy shit. If his fucking head got any bigger. Mom, look at the head on this bitch. I mean, we would have conversations and shit, but we would be just constantly making fun of people, looking around, going, yeah, look at this dipshit over here. What the fuck he's, is he trying to do? Try to pick that chick up, dude? That ain't going to work. <laughs> we would be just having conversations. and We'd also be talking on the radio, but we would just be talking all sorts of shit it was sometimes it was really funny sometimes it was like really stupid and then sometimes we were actually concerned about what we were doing we were actually looking around because good chance we were going to get shot most of the time we're just making fun of each other but anyway one of those things you can do that still have a conversation with somebody but wow because you can't get fired from the military so that guy's a fucking idiot still anyway. oh but it's not just in east palestine that you have to worry about your food no it's everywhere check this out I'm Bob, and this is my wife, Ann Demerith. We have uh, Clear Spring Ranch here at Mountain Grove. Missouri. Missouri. We want to tell you a little bit about our nutrient density testing that we have done. All that came back late last fall, and we're just now getting around to releasing the results. They tested us for omega-6 to 3s, phytochemicals, B vitamins, carotenoids, and the nuts and bolts of the test came back like this. If you were to eat one of our cheeseburgers compared to the grocery store meat, you would have to eat 2.7 cheeseburgers, which looks a little bit like this. Here we go. Our nutrients are 2.7 times better than what the grocery store meat is. So those are our results. We'll catch you some screenshots after a bit. <laughs> And the flavor is very good too. Yes. I'm Bob, and this is my wife, Ann. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the difference. You want to know the difference between grocery bought food and food that you get from going for to a farm? That's the difference. Mm -hmm. That's a big. Uh, that's a big difference. Yeah, it really. You is. go down to Jaekwondo Mastery. You meet up with him. You get yourself a cow. That's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference in the meat. That's the difference in the food. That's you feel better. Trust me. It's, it's better quality. Oh yeah. It, you, you don't have to make as much because it's more filling mm -hmm. and it stays with you longer. Mm -hmm. Even uh, true with produce as well. I mean, when you, you know, doesn't just have to be meat, but when you grow your own food or you get food from a local farmer or planners, uh, farmer's market. Yep that food is significantly more nutrient dense than the food that you're getting at the grocery store. And probably not covered in all the text, uh, pesticides, toxic, toxins, all that. Yeah. Toxic pesticides and everything else they give you. Yeah. But you remember the new, the food pyramid they came out with, right? The old one. The, I already know the old one. Well, they turned it on its head. Okay. I haven't seen the new one. Well, basically they said that, um, like all processed food is better than all natural food. That's the new one. Not even kidding. They said like cereal is like 10 times better. For, like Lucky Charms is like 10 times better for you than eating an egg. Yeah. Okay. How's that working out for me? I, I mean, I, more people are going to die faster. That's how that's working out for them. Um, but this is, 
So gross. I'm right here at Target and I really can't make this shit up right now, guys. Lucky Charms, which the government said that it was better than steak in the food pyramid. Look at this, guys. It, besides all the already stuff there, it, you know, we're looking for the trisodium phosphate. Where is it? Right there. We're gonna go to Home Depot right now and I'm gonna show you what that is, guys. But look at that. It says trap. Because it's a trap, guys. And here it is, guys. I'm really gonna make this shit up. Look what trisodium phosphate is. Right here. TSP. Clean surfaces in preparation for painting. It's a paint thinner. It strips painting, guys. Lift surfaces clean without rinsing. Effective deck and Guys, they, it, this this is so poisonous. This trisodium phosphate is so poisonous that they have a phosphate-free version for cleaning. And people are putting that in their bodies, you know? Can make this shit up, guys. And I've got to tell you one last thing. You vote when you buy, guys, you know? The food in America is prohibited in like 65 nations plus. The whole European Union doesn't even allow fluoride in their running water. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that you vote when you buy. The only reason why we have all this crap in our food in America is because you buy it, guys. You know, choose your power to buy the healthy food. I know it's not completely safe, but can you only imagine what conventional is like if the one that are supposed to be good is already bad? So do your due diligence, guys. Don't cut short when it comes to your health. Buy the best that you can get and avoid the poison. And always remember that you vote when you buy. That's your power. That's when you really, really vote. If you stop buying this crap, they'll stop selling it. They'll start selling what you want. Hope you get the idea. Thank you, guys. No, I get the idea. That's why I'm not paying my taxes. Because <laughs> fuck you. Vote no, this you is mm -hmm. this is fuck you. No, fuck you. You want you want money from me? You start doing what I want. You start doing, you start running this country the way it's supposed to be run. Follow that fucking document that they wrote 249 years ago. Follow mm -hmm. that for a minute. And then I might start paying my taxes. But till then, fuck you. I think there's an, another uh, document that they're following. Yeah. And it's not the Constitution. No. Check this out. Dark Bible. It's a very dangerous thing to make the assumption that the world is a limited resource, zero-sum game. And then you might say, well, how can it not be? Because there is a finite amount of, of certain so-called resources. And I would say, well, the reason it isn't is because there isn't any desert that we wouldn't be able to make bloom and permanently make infinitely productive if we got our acts together in the manner that Tucker described. You know, there's a, I've been writing a new book about the biblical stories and one of the continual the emphasis in that corpus of stories is continual and the central message is that if you orient yourself upward and you act with the highest regard for yourself and for other people, there's no limit to the abundance that you can bring forth. And if you have faith in that, you don't have to be concerned about sharing. You know that there's, there's not only more than enough for everyone, that more depends on you being as generous as you possibly could be with everyone. And all that would do would be to increase what's available. And the alternative to that is exactly the WAF view, which is that, quite frankly, there's too goddamn many people on the planet. And every time I hear that, I think, just exactly what spirit is saying that? 
and just precisely who the hell do you think should go and just exactly how. So I don't view human beings as an impediment to the beauty and pristineness of, of the Mother Earth that we've come to worship. You know, I think the notion that we're all creatures made in the image of God with an infinite transcendent worth is as true as any statement can be. And I think nothing... And I believe that there is nothing that is beyond our capability on the side of good if we aimed up and told the truth and had sufficient faith and courage. And I don't believe there's anything truer than that. And that is not what the WAF stands for. They stand for a Malthusian zero-sum game of scarcity, privation, and top-down centralized control. And with the technology that we have now, I wouldn't recommend that we do that. May, may, may I just answer one question raised by your eloquent and absolutely right analysis of the World Economic Forum? And that is, what spirit animates them? Well, if you believe people are the problem, then that is, of course, a genocidal spirit. If I believe that the problem with my kitchen is it has too many mice, the solution is to kill the mice. Too many roaches, I kill the roaches. They're the problem. They're the impediment. And so make no mistake, and this sort of tracks with what I was saying earlier, don't lie to yourself about the agenda. If people are the problem and you're a person, then your life is in the way of whatever goals they're seeking to achieve. By definition, am I missing something? No, I'm not. But all of us, it's so grotesque because, to further elaborate in one sense, it's a demonic spirit, just to be clear. Any, any spirit that seeks to hurt, kill, divide, demoralize other people is a demonic spirit, by definition. So that's what animates it. You're the target, and don't lie to yourself. I don't disagree. I don't think you do either. Nope. Um, you have to... I agree with both of them. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Speaking right of along. a demonic spirit... Here's some John Kerry for you. How about some confessions? You know, we're going to start a new new thing, I think. You remember the late night confessions with Marla? It was always on the radio, like really late at night. You remember that shit? No, I was asleep. And it was always called Confessions. No. We're, we're going to start Confessions with okay. John Kerry. I can tell you, because as Secretary of State, I was deeply involved in this. All of us in the administration were trying to get rid of that prosecutor. From Obama to the Secretary of State to the Vice President, all of us were working on that. The ambassador, and and we knew if Ukraine was going to survive and win the revolution in the end, the Maidan, they had to get rid of that prosecutor, and they did. I will tell you. <laughs> wow. Confessions with John Kerry. Fucking retard. We knew. We knew it. Hold on. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. There you go. go no, to we're not there yet. Oh, come on. No. Or, no, we're not getting into the jab yet because that's its, its own whole thing. It is. It is. Oh. Here's another confession for you. More confessions. Mm -hmm. We got more confessions. This one is CNBC. Mm -hmm. Confessions with CNBC. 
I don't know whoever this chicky is. They they, they just roll Looks out bots. More like whatever. a man. They all really, do. Really? Which do one? This one or this? I, one? It does strike me that this is an issue: disinformation and misinformation interference with the election that the government should be taking on. How many people do you have working on this issue? And how do you know what's enough? So we have around 40,000 people working on kind of safety and integrity on our platforms. Generally, we spend a lot of money on it. We spent oh, about 20 billion US dollars in recent years on, on things like, like election integrity, about 5 billion in the last year alone. But here's the interesting point. You know, even if we imply, em, employ double the number of content moderators that we have, actually, here's the irony, we're talking here about the risks of AI-generated content, but AI... I don't know if you guys could hear her whispering in the background, but she said 40,000, they only have 60, 67,000 employees. It's also actually our most powerful tool to identify and deal with the kind of content we don't want to see on our platforms. So take hate speech, for instance, the prevalence of hate speech. In other words, the percentage of hate speech as a percentage of the total of content on Facebook is now down to about 0.01%. And that's been reduced by over 50% just in the last couple of years alone for one reason only, improvements in AI technologies. So they have 80% of their workforce working on censoring you. Hmm. Literally. Anyway, 40,000 people, 40,000 people. She's like, they only have 60,000, 67,000 employees. So they have 80% of their employees looking to censor people and pretty yeah. much. Wow. Over at Facebook. Isn't that Wonderful. Nice? Wonderful. Isn't that nice? Cause, um, you know, they, they're man. No, go back to get that other one. Cause that other one fits better. Which one? The letter, that one, Okay. that one fits better. Because this was really interesting. This one got released. It's something we've all known. It's nothing new, just so you're all aware. It's nothing new. But this is really cool. This bitch got leaked somehow. This came from G GCHQ, which is uh, fucking MI5. MI5, somehow this got out of MI5. On 29 August 2016, GCHQ CSO filed for permission. I can't read it. Hold on. To, to execute, execute Project Folsom at the request, request of the U.S. Of the US president, president. Seeking intelligence gathering into the Trump Organization and Donald J. Trump for President Inc. Both located at whatever. New York. Yeah. His, his, uh, address in New York. Activities include foreign and U.S. domestic signals collection in regards to communication with Russian hostile actors. Obama asked the Brits to spy on Trump for him. Well, no, this is a five eyes request. So, uh, so all of them. Hold on. So you have to look at this request. OK, top secret strap three SIGINT UK eyes only. This is a five eyes SIGINT request through strap three, which is the UK's version of our uh, NSA. OK, does that make sense now? So this is going from basically our NSA director to, well, the president, through our NSA director, to Great Britain's NSA director, and it's getting filtered up the chain. Read, keep reading. Uh, 
IOCCO approved Folsom on September 15, 2016, allowing 90 days of initial signet gathering with the potential for renewal, should that situation allow. This memo's purpose is to request a 90-day renewal of Folsom's original charter with further potential for renewal thereafter. Since Folsom's start, a clear pattern of actionable leads have accrued, both from the Trump campaign itself, from former MI5 agent Michael Steele, and from others. See figures 1-7 in attachment. Here you go. U.S. National Security Advisor Rice has requested that we continue our surveillance during the transition period as internal U.S. intelligence is potentially compromised by the incoming Trump administration. Thunder. 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 Thunder kicks. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Told you. They asked our Barry Obama. foreign allies to spy on Trump after he became president. And I already went and looked up the name, and he was the director at the time. After he became president. During the transition period. Just That's after he takes office. Didn't I tell you this was all connected? That's the nail in the co- this is the this has got to be undoubtedly the worst week in politics I think I've ever seen. Swear to God, that is a very accurate depiction of Obamagate and Watergate. Again, why do we have to name every scandal Gate? Okay, the Watergate was it was named Watergate because it happened at the Watergate Hotel. All right. Now you have fucking. Uh, it's ridiculous. FISA gate, Obama, Obama gate, everything. Everything's a gate. It's not a fucking gate, people. People are stupid. What can I say? Jesus Christ. Sorry. Look, it's corruption. No, it's well, at nuts. the end of the day, it's fucking corruption. At the end of the day, it started a lot longer, way back in the way back machine ago than a lot of people realize. But the fact now that we can tie all of this back to Obama, all of it, it all lands, but you know what he does have? He's got plausible, plausible deniability. Right now, all I have is a bunch of circumstantial evidence. Is it evidence? Absolutely. Every last bit of it's evidence. Every last bit of this connects him to all of it. However, he does have plausible deniability. He was not the president of the United States. Unless I've got him on tape talking to Joe, saying, Joe, do this. Joe, do that. All I have is a theory. A conclusive one, I think, changes people, people's minds. It wakes people up all the time when you lay it all out. But that right there, that is the pinnacle. That was the start of all of it. Don't you remember the guy with the cell phones outside of Trump Tower and outside uh, the White House? The guy that they followed, the SIGINT guy that they got on his cell phone, and they said that he was talking to Russia outside the White House, this, that, and the other thing. That was all from that memorandum right the fuck there. Because he, Michael Steele, that was them flushing information down pipes so that they could launder it. 
So it came from somewhere else. It's like when ABC drops a story and then CNN drops a story and quotes ABC. And ABC's then, story. And then, and then NBC drops a story, drops the same story and, and uses CNN and ABC as the source, yep. but it only just came from one in the first place. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing. They're just trying to launder the information. The Steele dossier, remember, was created by Hillary Clinton, Inc. Yeah. That was created by the Fusion Clinton Inc. death squad. Fusion GPS hired by Hillary Clinton, Inc. Yep. To produce the dossier. Which then Steele took into an MI6 building, safe house, and said, this is my dossier and Donald Trump. Eight years later, we're still talking about the fucking dossier. Told you, this is all, everything. It, it hasn't, one, one thing. Point. It hasn't stopped. We're at a pyramid. Think about the layers of a pyramid. Mm-hmm. We finally are connecting shit back to fucking Barack Hussein Obama. I knew it was going to happen. There had to be orders from him. Okay. It had to start with him. Of course. And there we go. There's the first nail in that coffin. He needs to be tried for treason. Stand mm-hmm. by. Tried for treason. And uh, as far as I'm fucking concerned, we take him out and hang him. Because I'm done with this shit. No, he is behind all of this. He, You want to know who is the guy, though, the guy that might be, he might not be writing the script, but he knows who does write the script. It's probably that fucking queer right there. Just saying. It's completely wrong. It did not. It did not happen. This was. There was no spying. There was. It's Pizzagate. The conspiracy team. It's Pizzagate. The conspiracy team is no more accurate than Pizzagate. No one was spying on the president through the microwave. No one spied on the Trump campaign. There was no spying. There was no spying. No spying. There was 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 no spying. Wow. By the way, there was no spying, of course. There was no spying. There was no spying on the Trump campaign. On the Trump campaign. It's been a year and a half. There, there was, was no, no spying on the Trump campaign. Of this crap. No, no spying, spying on, on the Trump, Trump campaign. campaign. Which is a conspiracy theory. No spying, spying on the Trump, Trump campaign. campaign. Facts matter. And, oh, by the way, no, there was no... There was no... No. No, no spying on the Trump campaign. Well done. Yep. Just remember that, folks. There was not. No spying. Except no spying was. <laughs> until there was. Until there was. And, uh, you know, I get it. A hater's going to hate. But, man, dude, this is even this is going fast for me. We're uncovering shit at a faster rate than even I thought we would. I mean, I knew that, that the house of cards only stays erect for so long, especially as you start plucking cards out from the bottom. But once you start plucking enough out, man, when that bitch falls, you're watching the crash. This is starting to come down. Everything is before long here. I everything's gonna happen this, all at once. At least from this, the perspective of history, it'll look like everything all happened at once. I March is formulating now. Okay. In like I'm, a minor, I'm, I'm like seeing, a lamb. I'm I'm seeing a picture. Okay. This is all coming to a head. Obviously, we all feel it. Everybody knows this is oh, they're, yeah. they're building up to something. This is bad because, you know, 
we have, I don't think we've ever seen some of the shit we've seen happen this week in political pol- politics ever, ever. I got a feeling, an inkling. I think Trump's going to drop that file because I think Alvin Bragg is not going to back off of the Stormy Daniels thing. And even after this case here in Georgia falls apart in Fulton County because fucking Fannie Willis is a piece of shit liberal who was getting paid, obviously, by either the Clinton campaign or the Harris campaign. I don't know which um, or Soros, possibly, probably George Soros wouldn't surprise me. Um, That case will be gone soon enough. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have to worry about that one. And really, the rest of them, even the ones where he's been convicted, I mean, in in appeals, they're going to be overturned. So it's not really a big deal. The one I see, he's going to drop that file on this Alvin Bragg shit. And um, when that file hits, uh, I think sometime mid-March or so, martial law will be declared. Uh, Because when that file hits, you all, me, you, everybody else in the United States is going to basically tell everything wearing a uniform or a badge to pretty much fuck off. And uh, we're going to take things into our own, on our own accord. Because uh, when this file comes out with the information that's in there, I, I can tell you folks, that fucking document is only the tip of the spear, so to speak. Um, we haven't even seen the rest of it. The rest of it's even worse. And the rest of it's going to be on not so much, well, it's going to be a lot on what they did to Trump. But I got a feeling Trump also has something in there about what they were doing to us. And I think we're going to hear about that as well. And I mean, what they did to us, I mean, A, the stolen election, but B, how they spied on us. And I think that's going to be the other side of it. And I got a feeling it's going to set set some ripples off. Set some shockwaves off because I don't think I don't know how much America is ready to hear this because there's going to be a lot of shit. There's a I got a feeling there's a lot of shit in that file because there's no way that this government wouldn't be doing what it's doing, going to the extent that it's going to. Unless this file wasn't more important than what it is. Hmm. Why would you seek out to prosecute a former president if that file is it like it's like plutonium? It'll burn anything it touches. If it's held by the right person in the right container, it won't burn anything. It's like the Ark of the Covenant. That's where I was going with it because you brought that up last night. And I've been, Actually, I've thought about John that. John brought that up. Well, John, very good because uh, you, when you guys talked about that last night, that's been stuck in my head all day. And I, I got a feeling, I think you're right. I think you're fucking right. And I fucking, I hope to God, I hope, I pray, I pray I'm wrong. Well, listen to what Trump said here. This was last night, I believe. Yeah, yesterday afternoon. Okay, whatever and they died to protect. Let us also pledge to tell the stories of Robert, Chris, Andrew, and all of America's fallen warriors today and for the next 1,000 years. And for the next 1,000 years. 
and for the next 1,000 years. A millennial reign? And they died to protect. Possibly. Hmm. Interesting, though. Isn't it, though? Makes you wonder what Trump knows about what's coming. Because uh, I tell you, here's what Klaus Schwab thinks he knows <laughs> Klaus about Enel what's Schwab. coming. Some Klaus Schwab. <laughs> Klaus needs an Schwab. When we talked about the first industrial revolution, we had, of course, the steam engine, uh, we had electricity, but now we have a multitude of technologies, all working together to a certain extent in combination. Just think of the power of the combination of artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and big data. Uh, so it's a combination of the different technologies which really bring the fundamental change. And finally, um, I think we have to be prepared for a world where we see a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological uh, dimensions. So it will be a world integrating the physical, biological, and um, the uh, digital dimensions. So it will be a new world. And, um, I'm looking for a minister in 10 years, uh, probably it will be completely different from what it is now. Yeah, I wonder mm. why that is. What could integrate the digital and the physical? AI. Asking for a friend. AI, of course, AI. Wait. Nah. Or wasn't that a movie? Wasn't there a movie about that? I mean, let's just connect Alice to the internet. Why don't we? Oh, they already did that. Oh no, 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 no. I'm 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 going a different route with this one. You know, they're having the vaccine accountability commission where they talk about bullshit. No. Or they talk about a lot of stuff, but they don't actually do anything. We'll see. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm not a doctor, but I have a PhD in recognizing bullshit when I hear it. I'd like to point out to everyone that we knew early on, as a matter of fact, everyone knew early on, that the people that were at risk of hospitalization and dying of COVID were those that were obese, had diabetes, were over the age of 65. We also knew that children were at no risk, practically zero risk of being hospitalized or deaths from COVID-19. We knew that young people, healthy young people were not at risk. However, Dr. Marks, you rushed through this process of, of authorizing these vaccines, even though you knew the side effects, you knew about myocarditis and you knew about the studies. So let's be very real about the situation that we have. Here we have, let's talk about the reports on VAERS. Some people in here are trying to belittle these reports, but these reports come from people, people that died, people that got injured. And in December, in the middle of December, I think it was the 10th or the 11th, the first vaccine was approved. It was authorized under emergency use. Boom, 10,596 reports in less than a month. 2021, 706,767 reports on VAERS 
for vaccine injuries and deaths. 2022, it, it was 206,676. 2023, and it went going down because the mandates stopped. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the vaccines. Here we have reports, deaths, 18,372. Permanent disability, 17,842. Hospitalizations, 86,452. Emergency room or office visits, 315,048. Serious adverse events, 113,449. This is from the Congressional Research Service about bears. All, all kinds of injuries, miscarriages, heart attacks, myocarditis, permanent disability, neurological problems, and it goes on and on and on. These are the reports from people being forced to take vaccines. Shouldn't have happened. Mr. Grimes, I've just told you the numbers of reports. However, under CICP, there are only 10,640 of these COVID-19 claims are currently pending or are in review. And as of January 1st, 2024, CICP only compensated 11 of the 40. Oh wait, let's, let's make that number clear to everyone. Only 11 people have been con compensated. Only 11, only 11 people have been compensated. Out of the 40 COVID-19 claims that determined were eligible, only 40 were determined eligible. That is amazing. And the average award was only about $3,700. On the other hand, the average VICP payout over the last 35 years is approximately $490,000. If you get, if you die or get injured from a COVID-19 vaccine, your average payout's $3,700. I'd like to recognize someone in the room today is here, Brianne Dressen. She's met with you, Dr. Marks. She's met privately with you about her vaccine injuries. She participated in a clinical trial. She was injured and then she was dropped from the trial for the COVID-19 vaccines. Her medical expenses are $433,000 a year. She filed with CICP. Mr. Grimes, she's gotten no response. She's right here. Could you raise your hand, Ms. Dressen, please? Thank you. Perhaps you could meet with her after this meeting. Dr. Marks, you admitted to her that uh, vaccine injuries are real, that they're real. Although you rushed through the authorization and now you've authorized that children should receive these vaccines and even babies as young as six months old. That is shameful. That's shameful. I'm not asking you a question. I'm gonna continue speaking. Thank you, this is my time. The National Institute of Health uh, also saw Ms. Dressen uh, for her neurological complications that have been quite severe. They studied her and then they dropped the study and asked her to be quiet about it. These are the real stories of va the vaccine injured. They were, they were totally, uh, completely wiped off of social media. There's been thousands of peer-reviewed medical studies, thousands of them studying vaccine injuries. They are real, people are dying, 
People are having heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, and many other countries are dropping the COVID-19 vaccine and saying we shouldn't give them to children. It's time to be honest about the vaccine injured, and we need to stop allowing these COVID-19 vaccines to be given Gentle out ladies, to children. Gentlelady's time has expired. I now recognize. Uh, thank yeah, all she does is talk. Come on. Mm -hmm. She can fucking snap all she wants on those fucking people. All she does is fucking talk. Hey, we got to drop uh, the Red blah, Pill Project. Okay, Red Pill Project. Mm -hmm. uh, she'll be back tomorrow at 1.45 Eastern for the pre-show, 2 p.m. for Freedom Gardens. Yep. And uh, we'll be back Sunday, 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 Sunday. Same time, same place, and it will be your bug out bag. Yep. And Bug tomorrow morning, bags. I'll be back at 9 a.m. Yes. for the good book. 9 yes. a.m. for the good book. 9 a.m. for the good book. So, so, till then, we'll see you later for the Mick. And be late. Have a great night, Red Pill. We'll talk to you later. We're not going anywhere for everybody else. Yep. So, don't go running away. That's just for the Red Pill side. You got it. For the rest of you fuckers, y'all know what time it is. Yeah. You want to get hot? Yes. Yes. Just say, I could say that all the time. I could just do that all You want to get hot? All day. <laughs> everything. Yeah, I do. Okay. Stop teasing. All right, I won't tease. Shit. Go get it. You know what time it is for the J-Man. Do it way too long. Tell it. Listen. I'm trying to spoil my audio. Vaccinated MGT? Yeah, I think it is. But she's just pissed off because she's vaccinated. No, actually, I don't think she is. She's a congress. No, they didn't have to. They got ivermectin. They didn't have to get the jab. Well, that's right. Some of them did, but she didn't. I know Rand Paul didn't. Um, I don't think Tom Massey did. I don't remember. I know Nancy Mace did because she's been bitching about her neurological issues since her jab. Yeah, no, fuck that shit. I love it now, too, because uh, it was in a friend of mine. He had uh, brought his uh, kid in, new kid. The baby? I first, first doctor's appointment. Ah, and uh, he was like, yeah, no vaccines. <clears throat> and uh, did they drop him? The doctor was like, uh, the doctor was like, no, um, well, you, you don't want to do that. You know that, right? No, no, no vaccines. Don't need any vaccines. And man, they, he said it was like a firing squad. One doctor after another came in trying to tell him that you're doing the wrong thing and he's like no no vi no vaccines i told you no vaccines well i guess we're done with our appointment then okay peace bye hey you know those well baby clinics the only important part is height and weight you know you can do that yourself, right? Yep.
Height and weight is really easy. You know if something's wrong with your baby. Shit, women have known for years. Seriously. Shit, at this point, the only time we bring the kids to the doctor is when, like, Liam rips his ear off or runs into a fence or... You know, the most expensive Whatever, times. you know. Breaks his wrist, falling off, so jumping off the swing. It's been Liam at the doctor for the last, like, three years. For the most part, yeah. <laughs> it's all because he doesn't give a fuck. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. It was funny, too, because he went pretty far with it. He let him go pretty far. They brought in, like, a bunch of needles on, like, a on a, a platter type thing. And they were about to inject his kid. He's like, no, no, no. 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 I told you, no, no vaccines. Uh, when? Earlier when I got here, told you no vaccines. We're not doing vaccines. Mm. Um, not vaccinating my kid. Good. Um, and they just it was he said it was like three or four doctors that came in there and all told him the same thing. Yeah. Like this is a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. This, that, the other thing, these vaccines have been tested for years, blah, 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 blah. Show me the test. And uh no, he didn't even go that far. He said no. He said, No, I, I've done enough of my own research. Um, more kids end up with you know autism, down syndrome asthma. autism mm-hmm. asthma all sorts of other problems later on in their life from vaccines and i'm not doing that to my kid when my kid's old enough if they want to get the vaccine they can go out and get the vaccine mm-hmm. but not until then it won't happen under my watch ear infections uh, you know fever high-grade fevers yeah. seizures yeah mm-hmm. yep all kinds of things yeah Nope. Amy Schumer didn't get the the, the memo there. Um, she uh, remember she continued the COVID cutout trend as she wears her fanciest dress to get the vaccine. She got her first day. Of course, this was 2021, March 29th, 2021, sporting a gold sequin number, which featured a convenient shoulder cutout for the shot. I didn't even know that was a fashion trend. And she uh, she has a hold on, go back. Uh, you remember she also yelled at everybody and said that. You know, you you should go get the jab, and if you don't get the jab, you should just die, or we should be be allowed to kill you. Remember, she was the one preaching that. Mm-hmm. She was all over that. Mm-hmm. Get the jab, or we kill you. Now, um, yeah, her face is puffier than normal right now. Uh, she says, "I have endometriosis, an autoimmune disease that every woman should read about." Yeah. That's some serious inflammation. I mean, she's chubby, but that's that's bad. That's really that's like shit. That's like she's wearing a fat suit and she's already fat. Why would you do that? Right? Take off the suit. God, yeah, you can't you can't take it out. Can't take that jab out once it's in. Yeah, she's gonna die. Yeah, she is. Anybody got her? Should should we start playing? I think we should play like a roulette with the. The, the famous people we're gonna lose this year. Like, hey, let's put it on a wheel. <laughs> and if you put your na- you put a name on the wheel, you get your like initials by it. And when we spin the roulette wheel and it <laughs> one ticks off, we're like, oh, that one died. Because there's another guy uh I just read the article about. He was the one that was pushing the concentration camps. Yeah, I was looking for for that, but I found this instead. I'll see if I can find that one as as this one plays. 
just died suddenly. You ever go to the died suddenly Instagram page? Like, holy oh, shit. There's two words that are about to be removed from the English language, and they are these. Student at Greenville Middle School has died after a medical emergency during football practice. Stanfield died last week after suffering a medical emergency during a workout. Mott experienced a medical emergency at the school around 7.40 this morning. 15-year-old Elijah J. Mariano Rivera suffered a medical emergency yesterday afternoon during practice. Warriors assistant coach uh, having a medical emergency. King's organization says the person suffered a medical emergency during the first quarter. All the text message said was just there was a medical emergency. It's crazy how many fucking young people just died in their sleep after they took it. And everybody's like, nothing to see here. Do you not know they lie by now? Claim that crash landed on Martha's Vineyard after the pilot suffered a medical emergency. Pilot suffered a medical emergency. An American Eagle pilot suffered a medical emergency. An officer died after being found unresponsive inside her patrol car. Sources tell Action News the officer suffered a medical emergency. 44-year-old Kenya Galloway died due to a medical emergency. Detective Lim uh, suffered a medical emergency while driving home from work. Duty LMPD officer died tonight after suffering a medical emergency. Investigators originally thought he had been shot, but today they say he died of a medical emergency. So we have heart attack rates in young people 20% or 30% higher than expected, and no one is really willing to talk about it. So when we see and hear reports of this, no one's really saying much. I'm just gonna clip this and show this to people from this point on. <laughs> yeah, clip it. I mean, it's it's very eye-opening. So yeah, that, yeah. that's a uh, yeah, good point. Um, but this is what we were looking for. And uh, this is what I was talking about. I went and looked up this in the World Tribune. I didn't go find the whole. I wanted to read the whole article. I just didn't want to read what they posted here. Um, the whole article wasn't much more, to be honest with you. And they just love to repeat themselves. Uh, anyway, uh, this guy, this Ian Ian Vandale, he's a Canadian reporter who called for the unvaccinated uh, to be policed up and fired. No, unvaccinated or police no. to be fired, fired and pushed for concentration camps yes. for those who refuse to get the COVID jab. He, he died. Was, he, he's, he's dead. 33. Um, did they say what happened to him? Hmm. Let's see. I haven't. Let's see. Uh, Stephanie Hughes, Vandal's partner, shares the news of his death on her ex account on December 5th, saying, I haven't been on Twitter for a while because my partner, Ian Vandal, has been in the hospital since November 18th. It's with a heavy heart today that I say he was declared neurologically deceased this week and taken off life support this morning. Um, Vandell had taken to social media multiple times to advocate for incentives to encourage COVID-19 vaccination. He also pushed for the implementation of vaccine passports and the termination from employment for those who refused the jab. He suggested that unvaccinated people should be arrested and taken away to concentration camps. Yeah. Jesus, dun, dun. Jesus, Jesus don't love you best, darling. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything's all coming out all at once. Just like we told you it was gonna. The house of cards is quickly falling. This was yesterday. Also, um, 
there was a New York man who suffered from HLH after his COVID vaccine. His initial report was classified as life-threatening. His second report filed after his death was classified as hospitalized. The family called to request a correction to the second report to be a fatality and was instructed to file another report and was then sent a form condolence letter from the CDC. And the fatality was in May of 2021. The form letter was, was, was received in December 2022. The family subsequently sent an automated message at the end of 2023 to update their VAERS report on his condition. He is dead, they said. The family has been very distressed by the lack of proper investigation done and classification that he's actually died. And so all I'm saying, I've run out of time, is that as you have said, you've increased the number, Commander, from four personnel to, I think you said, 35. Obviously, more work needs to be done if people haven't been, you know, the person died and it still says they're hospitalized. I mean, this is, this is a huge problem. And with that, I yield back. Wait, they only have 35 people now maintaining the VAERS database? 35 people with literally millions of reports coming in every day. No wonder it takes six months just for them to look at that. You understand that, right? The VAERS numbers that come out are six months old. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. Shit's only going to get worse. It's going to get so much this is worse. What goes around, you damn right, Tammy, it is karma. What goes around comes around. And people are going to start. This shit is, you know, what I, I'm waiting for, this is what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting. I don't think, you know, somebody asked me, are you sure about martial law? I was like, well, it's not going to be martial law. What it is going to be is sometime in March, they're going to announce how we're not having a, an election this year. I don't know if it's going to get that, if that's going to come that early, but I know. Sometimes- uh, no, no, no. Cause they're going to realize they're losing. They're losing on all mm-hmm. points of this. They're, they're, they're about to cross into so many different criminal realms and all of these cases. This is going to get ridiculous here soon. They're no. going to have to charge someone. No, no, they're not. They're, they're not going to do that yet. Um, what's going to happen in probably sometime in March. We're, we're not going to get to that point yet. They have to give you a reason to get to that point. There's going to be some kind of major attack, major event, something that they're going to be able to declare martial law or suspend normal life, lock everyone down again. You've been hearing about lockdowns coming again. I know y'all have, right? Everyone's been hearing about that. They are going to have to give themselves a reason to put that into effect. It doesn't have to be a good reason. In fact, it should be a blatantly bad reason because ultimately what they want is a civil war. They want us to fight each other, an uncivil war, a civilian war, because then they absolutely can declare martial law, but they've got to start it with some kind of major attack, power outage, possibly. Hey, what about this? I have been sitting on this one too, chewing on it for a couple of days now, thinking about it. You remember uh, one of the things Hillary Clinton did on her way out last couple of years that of the Obama administration, she gave, they had that big summit in Russia where she had gone over there with Bill 
Remember, it was a big deal because Bill was with her. The, the Staples button. Yeah. And they went over there and they signed a deal where they traded some technology information. Do you guys remember what the technology information they traded? No. It was uh, something about, I'm pretty sure, hypersonic missile technology. Mm. Okay. You know how just the other day, Nick. They had that big Space thing Nick. with uh, with what what's his nuts, and he said, "Hey, the Russians, they got this technology. Sounds bad. Something we don't have." Space nukes. We gave it to them. Yeah. What if what we gave them was the hypersonic weapon that they're about to test fire? Yeah, y'all hear about the about to test fire weapon out there? Y'all didn't know about that. Yeah, it's a. Well, it's now a, the White House is saying we don't need to worry about that anymore. Oh yeah, no, it's a new weapon, and uh, that uh, hyper. It, guess what? It can do a low Earth orbit EMP, and it can transport uh, an EMP large enough to knock out, uh, let's say, the eastern half of the United States. I, shit, if they do it in over one Ohio, shot. it knocks out almost everything except for Alaska, no, no, Florida, no. and Southern Texas. No, nope. maybe Maine. No, it'll destroy Florida. It'll destroy everything up and down the eastern seaboard for sure. No, because you, you're again, you're off in your power grids. You don't know how our power grid is protected and what you would need to do to do that. To it is to an extent. It is to an extent. An EMP, if it even people in there'd be a a great big uh, half like a half a J left in this country. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you that something's going to happen. We're all just going to have to wait and see what it is. Wow. Are you, did you memorize those lines? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a movie I saw once. Oh, anyway. you know. Anyway, uh, here's another movie. Still wondering who wrote the script. Wanted to ask you each a couple of questions. It's simple, yes or no. Uh, does the COVID-19 vaccine prevent the disease from getting it, from you receiving the disease? Does it? You can't have a yes or no answer to that question because it it will reduce your risk of serious outcomes such as death right. I'm not I'm not debating whether or not it helps people. Uh, it mitigates some of the. Uh, but what the so people I care heard, if I'm alive or dead. So I think they they do a very good job sure. of preventing death and hospitalization. I, they may not prevent. They may not prevent. I agree. Infection. The 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 mantra at the time was to stop the spread, and so we were understood that we either did not receive it or could not transmit it when it was released. Uh, could you speak to that, Dr. Jernigan? Can you receive it or can you transmit it after receiving the COVID-19 vaccines? Yeah, I think having worked at CDC for 30 years and seeing the benefits of vaccine, you know, we have to make the best recommendation. Can you transmit it or can you receive it after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine? We need to make the best recommendations that we yeah, have. That's a yes or no question. It's very simple. Dr. Commander Grimes, can you receive? I think we, uh, we, we make the best recommendations for the public as we Can you still can. get COVID after getting the COVID-19 vaccine? Yes. 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 Okay. That's correct. Does it prevent you from transmitting it? Although it may, there's there's data that shows that earlier in the pandemic there was some reduction in transmission. The data on that are very challenging to um, uh, to pin down, but it does not absolutely prevent transmission. So it, it does not prevent transmission. Thank you very much. Um, I would act, 
ask you, Dr. Jernigan, why does the CDC website then list it as a vaccine preventable disease and why does it call it a recommended immunization? The vaccine preventable diseases are referring to things that benefit from getting the vaccine. What we know with COVID is it does prevent you from getting severe disease, hospitalizations, and deaths. I agree. No one's questioning that. No one's questioning that. Uh, but it's listed among these Thank other. The, the, the issue right now and why we're seeing that. a bunch of vaccine hesitancy is because the information coming from the federal government has been murky at best on this subject. And so people don't know what to trust. And so my question to you is why do you list this along with other very proven that have a long set of scientific data uh, as, as, a, as a vaccine that prevents disease? All vaccines have variable different levels of effectiveness, and so this is a vaccine-preventable disease, uh, just like all the others are. Okay. You have done a great job of filibustering my time. I yield back. Wow. You, you do know that studies show that when you're vaccinated, you're seven times more likely to be hospitalized than when you're unvaccinated and you're three times more likely to die from covid with the vaccine so yeah i am fucking questioning that i'm not because follow the money all three of those guys probably all have stock options in the pfizer all right following the money absolutely look this again remember what that gentleman said about the things you buy if you stop getting your kids vaccinated, Pfizer's going to lose a butt-ton of money. If you stop buying shit and start buying real food, whole food, not go to Whole Foods, definitely don't do that because no. that shit's all fucking contaminated. It is. But you start going to farmer's markets and stuff like that, start buying your local grocery shit and go into your your producers of beef that you know that aren't vaccinating their animals. Yep. Then we stop paying big business bullshit and we start controlling it. We start saying, yeah, fuck you. We don't need your shit. How will Pfizer pay Kelsey? Uh, the U.S. government's paying Kelsey. Did you hear he's making a new movie? He's making a movie. He's, He's making a movie. Making a movie. With government money. Whatever. With our money. Mm -hmm. But here's Brett Weinstein talking about the mRNA platform. The mRNA platform has a, it has a number of different defects, design defects that are, in my opinion, insurmountable with respect to its uh, safety. It can't be rendered safe. And I would describe the most important of these as the fact that the lipid nanoparticle, which gets the mRNA into your cells, has no way of, uh, it has no targeting mechanism that would lead it to be taken up by certain cells, but not other cells. It will literally be taken up haphazardly around the body. And what it does, according to the manufacturer, is the mRNA gets into your cells, it is translated into protein by ribosomes, and those proteins then are displayed on the surfaces of cells. Your immune system automatically, because of hundreds of millions of years of evolution, your immune system regards a cell that produces your own proteins and proteins it's never seen before 
as virally infected and it kills those cells. That's what it does. That's its automatic response because once a cell is infected with a virus, there's no curing it. So the immune system is better off to kill it, even though it's a cell of yours and it's potentially useful. An infected cell is better off removed. If that happens in your heart, it creates a wound and a vulnerability. So these shots were going to cause that effect wherever these lipid nanoparticles introduced the mRNA into cells of yours. That was inevitable. If that was somehow limited to your deltoid, wasn't going to be a big deal from the point of view of your longevity. If it's in your heart, it's a disaster. What is the difference in the people that did have heart issues and the people that experienced nothing adverse? Um, first of all, first thing to know is that there are actually a small number of studies in which the question has been looked at, do people with no obvious heart pathology actually have damage? And the answer is yes, there are many people who have subclinical damage. They never had a symptom, but if we look at their hearts directly, we discover that actually they were badly impacted. But there are a couple of factors that uh, impact um, whether or not a particular person is going to, to have this effect. One of them is that the manufacturer of the vaccines was um, highly variable. The quality control was crap. So the amount of the active ingredient, these mRNAs coated in lipid nanoparticle that a particular shot contained varied tremendously. So that's one thing. People who had no effect may have gotten something like a blank. Second thing is you will remember during the pandemic that there was a battle over the aspiration of the syringes that were used to administer mm. this stuff. Yes. And the official line was they did not want the people giving the shots to aspirate the needle. That means pull back on the plunger when the needle is in your arm. And the reason that you should do that is because it is possible to land the needle just by accident in a, in a vein. And if you do that and you inject it, then the stuff goes into your circulation directly, which is bad. It's not supposed to circulate around the body. Now, what the officials said is don't do that. Don't pull back on the plunger. The idea is if you pull back on the plunger and you see blood, you've got to push the needle in farther, right? So that you can get out of that vein. They said don't do that. And the reason that they said don't do that is because the amount of time that the needle is in your arm uh, and the amount of pain that the person experiences were thought to be a risk. I don't even think they thought it was a risk. They argued that it was a risk. Um, and that they didn't want to create vaccine hesitancy. So the idea was inject you as quick as possible. Well, that is insane. Because what it means is that a small fraction of people, for each dose, a small fraction of people got a bolus that circulated immediately because it went into a circulatory vessel. It's not supposed to go into a circulatory vessel. And they could have, they could have eliminated that. So some of the people who got hurt got hurt because they had an accidental intravenous injection and a big glob of this stuff is circulating around them and lands in their heart and they get a big wound. That's one of the factors. There could be uh, genetic distinctions. I think that's actually pretty unlikely. But between the variation between the doses, the variation in the intravenous versus uh, the interstitial injections, um, and the fact of just simple dumb luck, Right? There's a question about where the 
material goes and which cells it bumps into. So that's just luck of the draw. Although I will point out that as the vaccine campaign was in full swing, Heather and I wondered about these issues and we, you know, the myocarditis uh, consequence was being discussed. And our point was, look, has this ever been studied given that this is a risk? Has anybody ever looked at whether or not you're better off having it injected in your left arm or your right arm or your butt cheek? You know, which of these things produces this effect least often? And as far as I know, it was never studied, um, which is also crazy because it's possible, even if you were going to inject this stupid stuff into people, that you could have done it in a way that was less harmful. You could have aspirated the needle. You could have injected it wherever it was least likely to damage the heart. You could have stopped giving it to young people who didn't need it in the first place. There were lots of ways to make it safer, and they did none of them. Craig, of course I chose the clips tonight. Come on now. Did none of them. None of them. Because their goal was to kill you. I think that was the point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's not it's not just COVID. Remember AIDS? Yeah. How could you forget AIDS? Joe didn't forget AIDS. No, it's the only one he can remember. Yeah, right. His Alzheimer's just goes back that far. To AIDS. Here he is with Elton John, the king of AIDS. Really? By the way, it's all his fault that we're spending $6 billion in taxpayer money this month to help AIDS fight HIV AIDS. Hmm. Wait, we're spending $6 billion this month to help HIV AIDS at Elton John's behest? Okay. He's not even... Trying to deflect some of that budgetary... Problems there, Joe. He he's not even a an American. You're you're right, Lindsay. Yep, Elton John is the prince of AIDS because Fauci is the king. Actually, maybe Fauci's the the death dealer. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously. Uh, oh, the death dealer. Yeah, dude, that's like giving him a promotion. Like he can move around like a ninja and shit. Come on, he He's already no does. He, he moves around like a fucking little gnome. That motherfucker's got more security than. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, and antidepressants too. It's not just the shit that can kill you that can kill you. Hmm. Gross misconduct. The nail in the coffin. For antidepressants, this is written by Dr. Joseph Merkula, who I've had on the show. As reported in the 2023 system, first of all, just so we we found out, um, by the way, I have, I have a feeling this isn't going to be the nail in the coffin for antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to somehow get around this. So remember this, as, as reported in 2023, that did a systemic umbrella review of the evidence for the serotonin theory of depression. And this is what the conclusion was. The main areas of serotonin research provide no consistent evidence of there being an association between serotonin and depression and no support for the hypothesis that depression is caused by lowered serotonin activity or concentration. So the whole basis for serotonin re-up uh, in, uptake inhibitors, which is what is Zoloft is and Prozac, they completely got taken out by, under by the knees, but they're still prescribing the hell out of them. Uh, it does affect uh, the urge to gamble. And also one guy won a lawsuit because he became gay and that would held up in court. 
So they uh, and they they but they do make you more likely to still wear a mask in public. So that's good, right? <laughs> anyway, um, so here I want to tell you about this the sequence treatment alternatives to relieve depression studies published in 2006 was the largest and longest running antidepressant effectiveness trial ever conducted. And importantly, it used real world patients. So the authors claimed an overall cumulative remission rate of 67%. This study has since been used to prop up the idea that antidepressants work in the real world. Mm. However, the widely made claim that antidepressants work for nearly seven in 10 patients in real world clinical settings is based on a scientific misconduct and fraud. In his reanalysis of the study, psychologist Ed Peugeot and colleagues showed that had the study protocol been followed, the cumulative remission rate would have been only 35 percent. Moreover, the star D report omitted the stay well rate only three percent of the 4,041 patients who entered the trial and went into remission were still in remission at the end of their one-year follow-up. Hey, do you want to hear something great about this too? Uh, Obamacare, one of the hidden provisions in that was called the pregnant women's right to mental health or something. Yeah. And uh, so they made it legal to give it to pregnant women for their depression. Wow. Okay. Previously to protect the unborn baby, they wouldn't, you know. Yes, most clinical drug trials have found the effectiveness of antidepressants is on par with placebo. And many studies have debunked the serotonin theory that underpins the use of antidepressants. Meanwhile, large-scale meta-analysis show that physical exercise is the most effective remedy, about 1.5 times more effective than antidepressants for depression. Get out of here. Oh, so that's why physical exercise is subtly linked to white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, can I just take a example? It's just one example. <laughs> and just well, here's just one example. Patients who of how they flawed the studies were flawed on purpose. Patients who didn't qualify as depressed enough to even be included in the study in the first place were counted as remitted, as were patients who dropped out, mostly due to intolerance to the drugs. They also switched outcome measures and introduced theoretical elements in clear violation of study protocol. Hey, my friend Brody's uh, dead from 100% so from that. we've he also telling everybody he didn't feel right, and they go, that's normal. That's normal. And then he's, su uh, then he's a suicide. Wow. So we also know that there's a connection that it's in their own literature between uh, violent acts or the urge to commit violent acts at people who take antidepressants. And it's also connect with, connected to most, most mass shootings. And so that's why mass shootings have exploded in America since the introduction. That's, is a, that's a theory. Anyway, I'm not saying yeah. that's so a theory. So that, Dr. Drew, what do you say? For, I've got a lot to say. Uh, I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 35 years. I want to remind you of a couple of things. One is, are you aware that randomized controlled trials have only been around for about 75 years? Okay, they, okay. No. I know what they are. To, people pretend as though that has been the basis of science forever. No, it's a relatively new instrument on the scene, and it is deeply flawed. It is to, to power it, you have to have more patients, more, a bigger N than 85% of the, of the RCTs out there. So we have lots of problems. People do a lot of manipulating with numbers as a result of learning how to use this instrument to make their outcomes the way they want them. But uh, I digress. Back, back in the day, doctors would try things, and when they worked, 
You knew it clinically because the patient got better. Did they get better every time? No, of course not. But you developed a clinical sense of what worked and what doesn't. Clinical judgment has been marginalized. And I'm telling you, clinical judgment is, if you see lots and lots of patients like I did, thousands and thousands, you know what's going on long before the medical literature catches up. So I always have a sense like, hey, something's not right here because that's not what I'm seeing. Like I remember I, I, I've used a great deal of Paxlovid and I saw a bunch of rebounds. And what I got was, oh, yeah, yeah it's, just the, it's just the cytokine storm kicking in a week later. No, there's no cytokine activation. And there was something different going on. It was a lot of airway problems. It was something categorically different. It took two years for that literature to catch up where people went, oh, my goodness, Paxlovid causes rebound. Hey, babe, mm -hmm. I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. What, um, do you know all the hormones in your body? No, but uh, a woman's hormones actually change every week. So if you think your woman is completely different from one week to the next, it's because she is. Okay. Well, do you know all the hormones in the human body? No. Okay. Do you know that serotonin is a hormone? Okay. It's a happy drug. Do you know that serotonin, um, if you fuck with it at all, mm -hmm. you can't stop it from producing. Yeah. And you can't stop your body from absorbing it because it's produced naturally within your body, absorbed through your body, and then dispelled through your urine. Mm -hmm. um, all inhibitors do is they would fuck your body up. Just go eat your depression. Go work out. Go outside. Run. Mm -hmm. Go shoot something. Just not yourself. Please. Go shoot something. Seriously. Go outside. Enjoy. You life is awesome. It's great. You're breathing. You're on this side of the grass. He's got a plan for you. Don't worry about it. He'll show you. Well, this is crazy. So um, you know, Reiner Fulmick. Right. He's kind of been the one of the lead voices on against the jabs and COVID since the beginning. And uh, I didn't I didn't realize this had gone down, but um, gone down. What do you mean? Gone down. You'll see. It appears as if German lawyer Reiner Fulmick who recognized the COVID crimes against humanity as early as 2020, has been set up. Fulmick was spearheading a project known as the Second Nuremberg and co-founded the Corona Investigative Committee. His committee consulted about 150 scientists and experts from around the world, as well as former employees of the World Health Organization. And their findings showed them that the COVID measures were the first steps in a plan to destroy regional economies in order to make populations dependent upon global supply chains and were intended to reduce the population and install a world government under the United Nations. The Corona Committee received a lot of donations, which they believed were not safe due to the recent history of bank accounts being seized by complicit governments. One million euros in gold was purchased and put in holding. To fund operations, both Reiner Fulmick and Vivian Fisher took out secured loans. At a time of 
grave risk for the money in our bank account. We decided to act immediately and we took money out of that account, both she and I did, in order to save it and keep it from such an attachment so that we would be able to continue with our work because had our account been attached, our bank account been attached, we wouldn't have been able to pay for the translators, for the IT, for the management, etc., etc. Reiner's loan was for 700,000 euros and was to be repaid with the proceeds from selling his home, all documented and agreed upon by the committee. Members of the Corona Committee met with a law firm in August of 2022 and filed criminal charges against Fulmic. Committee members Justice Hoffman, Marcel Templin, and Antonia Fisher claimed that Fulmic embezzled 700,000 euros, the loan that he officially took out. They claimed he was a violent anti-Semite and that if he were given the opportunity to comment before criminal proceedings began, they would not file the complaint. Two warrants were issued for his arrest from Germany and from the EU without Reiner's knowledge. Without an international arrest warrant, German and Mexican authorities illegally abducted Fulmic at the German embassy in Mexico. He was then flown to the Frankfurt airport where he was arrested and put in jail. International law experts are calling his arrest an illegal kidnapping. According to documented company plans, Fulmic's loan was to be repaid after the sale of his property. But the very same people that filed the complaint against Fulmic sabotaged this agreement. The contracts stated that the profits of the Fulmic property was to be transferred to a Fulmic account so that he could repay the loan. But the notary, who was sworn to be neutral and independent, instructed the buyers to transfer the 1.158 million euros into Marcel Templin's account, which made it impossible for Reiner to repay the loan. The loans were transparently agreed upon in written contracts. There was no secrecy, and the company was aware of the loans at all times. The evidence that proves this has been officially submitted to the court, who has chosen to ignore it and has muzzled the defense and ordered they not be allowed to mention it. The evidence shows that Hoffman, Templin, and the notary illegally obtained access to the profits of Fulmic's property. And not only is the court ignoring this evidence, they have summoned these same people as witnesses against Fulmic. The complaint states, Fulmic has also made himself liable to prosecution for embezzlement by purchasing the gold bars without the consent of the shareholders, obscuring their existence and possessing them for himself. But the purchase of the gold bars is also documented. They are in holding and can only be accessed with the signatures of both Reiner Fulmic and Vivian Fisher. This is shown in company documents, which were never given to the public prosecutor, but they have been submitted by the defense and are being ignored by the court. Furthermore, while the court froze Fulmic's accounts, they failed to freeze the 1.158 million euros in Marcel Templin's account, which is presumably still there and appears to be the payoff for this internal coup. The trial is happening now in Germany, and the plaintiff's sloppy accusations are beginning to fall apart. One reporter at the trial said, The case was totally destroyed, and one could only sit there in amazement. A journalist from Biddle TV said that Reiner will not only be released, but also compensated. The people who did this to him, in my opinion, will be charged themselves. It is beginning to appear as if justice may finally be served. In collaboration with Celia Farber of The Truth Barrier, this is Greg Reese. Well, that's interesting. Isn't it, though? 
I mean, if they get him out. And hey, traders everywhere. Shit's getting serious. I mean, I guess Germany's not a safe cu country we can go to anymore. I will. It hasn't been. <sighs> Don't run to Germany. Please. It has not been for a long time. This guy's whining. <laughs> yeah, no. Next folder. Yeah. Holy shit. I know. <laughs> shit. Yeah. We're not well, even close. I hope you guys are ready for a long one tonight because holy fuck. No shit. Oh, nope, it's not that one. Why not? Because I'm looking for this one. Oh. And I thought it was. Oh, because it's this one right here. Okay, here, this is what they're distracting you from. And it's not like they're fucking short clips either. So, you know, that no, doesn't help. It doesn't help. I know. What do you think is the one thing that you're not supposed to pay attention to? The number one topic that across all of recent history, no matter what wars are happening, no matter what's going on, the one thing you're not supposed to pay attention to. Because the Super Bowl is a distraction. Celebrity drama is a distraction. Mainstream politics reporting is a distraction on both the left and the right. Because the one thing you're not supposed to pay attention to is the reason why the top 1% wealth share is increasing every year and everyone else's wealth share is decreasing every year. The answer is the banks and Wall Street's decades-long crime spree. So today I'm going to introduce you to one of the most important of the big four banks that you probably wouldn't think is so important. Because BlackRock gets all the conspiracy hype, and J.P. Morgan is by far the biggest. But when I started digging into it, Citibank actually stood out in a big way. And we'll come back to this later, but Citigroup's stock is actually in a really precarious position. Ever since 2008, when their stock crashed hard, they've never recovered. Their stock used to be worth over $500 per share. It is now worth about $50 per share. But what first got my attention was their board of directors. See, most of the big banks have boards of directors that are loaded with people that have been executives and board members at other big corporations, a lot of financial institutions. But Citibank's board of directors is filled with ex-government officials, ex-regulators, ex-CIA. Citibank is the definition of the revolving door. Take Grace Daly, for example, the former senior deputy comptroller for bank supervision policy and chief national bank examiner for the OCC. She worked from 2001 to 2020 in the Office of the Comptroller. The Office of the Comptroller and the Currency charters, regulates, and supervises all national banks and federal savings associations. They are the top of the food chain when it comes to regulating big banks. And it's not just Grace. They've also got John Dugan, who was the head of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency from 05 to 2010. I made a whole video about Leslie Ireland, who worked at the CIA for more than 30 years, both in senior positions as well as in classified positions for her whole early career, which I can only assume is like a field operative. But then we've also got Renee from the Carlisle Group, who's on the board of Oracle, which is the backbone of the CIA's cyber operations. We've got counts on foreign relations, federal reserve boards, defense contractors. Wall Street on Parade has reported on Citigroup extensively because since the year 2000, they've been convicted of breaking the law 181 times, totaling up to 27 billion dollars of fines. That is seven and a half offenses per year. Their biggest fines ever were seven billion dollars. They've even pled guilty to criminal prosecutions with the DOJ. And when you start digging through the crimes they've been convicted of, you realize that they specialize in money laundering and hiding money in foreign accounts 
for governments, for billionaires, for corporations. Between 07 and at least 2012, Banamex USA, a subsidiary of Citigroup, processed more than 30 million remittance transactions to a total value of more than $8.8 billion. They issued more than 18,000 alerts, alerts for transactions that seem sketchy, but conducted fewer than 10 investigations and filed only nine suspicious activity reports, meaning 18,000 sketchy transactions came through their bank and they filed only nine official reports about it. And that's because they were laundering money for Raul Salinas, the brother of then president of Mexico, Carlos Salinas, this is what they do for all their clients. They established a shell company with layers of disguised ownership. City Trust in the Cayman Islands activated a Cayman Islands shell corporation called a PIC or private investment corporation. Then they used Panamanian shell companies to function as the board of directors for that shell company. Then they used other shell companies to serve as the officers and principal shareholders of that shell company. All of this so that Selena's name did not appear anywhere on the incorporation papers for the original shell company. Back in the 90s, they laundered more than $67 million from Mexico into these shell companies. Ms. Elliott, the Citibank representative that was in charge of this money laundering scheme, wrote to her colleagues in June of 1993 that the Salinas accounts is, become, is turning into an exciting, profitable one for us all. Many thanks for making me look good. When they got caught, Senator Levin pressed her on the matter. The day after Mr. Salinas was arrested, you said the following, quote, Everybody was on board on this. I mean, this goes in the very, very top of the corporation. This was known, okay, on the very top. He asked, who were you referring to when you said this goes to the very top? Miss Elliott replied, Bill Rhodes. I am sitting four or five down from the chairman, and Bill Rhodes was and is the vice chairman of the bank. To me, that's pretty top. Meaning Citibank, right from the top level executives, their business model is to make shitloads of money, laundering huge sums of money for regimes for anyone who wants to launder money. The Panama Papers made it clear just how good they are at doing this and broke down the whole structure of the scheme. Once a person becomes a client of a private bank, the bank's primary goal generally has been to service that client. And servicing a private bank client almost always means using services that are also the tools of money laundering, like secret trusts, offshore accounts, secret named accounts, and shell companies called private investment corporations. Private banks actually keep pre-packaged PICs on the shelf awaiting activation when a private bank client wants one. So they just have a whole bunch of ready-to-go money laundering operations waiting in storage until someone asks to get money laundered, and then they pull them out and activate them. In the brochure for Citibank's private bank on their international trust services, in the table of contents, it lists the attractiveness of secrecy jurisdictions, the Bahamas, the Cayman Islands, Jersey, and Switzerland, the best of all worlds. Quote, PIC assets are registered in the name of the PIC and your ownership of the PIC need not appear in any public registry. That's how they advertise their services. Citibank is the fourth biggest bank when it comes to U.S.-based domestic deposits, meaning our money deposited in the bank. J.P. Morgan has more than $2 trillion of our deposits. Citibank has only $760 billion. But if you look a little closer, out of all the biggest banks, they have the highest percentage of foreign assets under management, as in percentage of domestic assets, U.S. assets in the U.S. The other big banks are almost all U.S. business. Citibank is almost half foreign asset. And when you look at domestic branches versus foreign branches, Citibank has way more foreign branches than anyone else. You know, the kind of foreign branches you might have in places like the Bahamas to help facilitate money laundering outside the U.S. So here's where we go from facts and hard evidence to speculation and question. And I need your guys' help because I'm seeing kind of a convoluted picture here. Their board of directors is full of corrupt government officials and CIA operatives. 
they are on record laundering money for corrupt governments all around the world. And ever since its founding, the CIA has had a lot of need for money laundering operations. We're talking all the way back to the founders of the CIA. A lot of their operations are so black book that they can't fund them with the public budget. And so all throughout the CIA's history, they have funded deep black operations with black money that was garnered from other illegal operations that they had to launder through various banks and front companies. But despite Citibank's apparent ties to government in both past and recent years, their stock is fucked, meaning their whole business model is fucked. And they're going through a huge restructuring in the last couple of years involving shutting whole parts of their business down, tons of layoffs. Like we're talking in 2023, right now, layoff. Just the beginning of 2024, the CEO has sold up to $2.8 million worth of her stock. That's like 10% of her total holdings. And let's not forget that Citibank is holding $54 trillion of derivatives value. That is $54 trillion of bets on the casino that is the stock market. And 98% of those derivatives are over-the-counter, meaning they're virtually unregulated and barely reported. And just last year, the Federal Reserve sent Citi three different notices directing them to address in the coming months how it measures risk of default by counterparties in derivative transactions, meaning the big boys are worried that if they have not properly assessed the risk involved in these $54 trillion worth of derivatives contracts, if any of the other people on the other sides of these bets and contracts goes into default, i.e. their bets fuck up, the Federal Reserve is worried that it could topple this entire portfolio of derivatives and cause Citibank to explode. We've discussed derivatives and counterparty risk several times on this channel, but if you want to look into it more, look up Bill Huang and Archegos Capital and how his counterparty risk toppled his firm. And then he was a counterparty for Credit Suisse and that counterparty risk toppled Credit Suisse, and UBS had to later absorb Credit Suisse's distressed assets. And we are still waiting to see if UBS makes it through the next five years, or maybe the next year. But you're not supposed to pay attention to the bank, because then you would know that Citibank was the bank that forced the repeal of Glass-Steagall in 1999, and then blew itself up as a result of that appeal in the 2008 collapse. And then was propped back up with the biggest share of the biggest bank bailout in all of U.S. history. And now has written its own legislation to deregulate itself and got the president of the United States to lobby for its passage because they snuck it into the bill that was going to keep the government running. And if you don't know any of that, you're a lot less likely to riot in the streets when they probably get bailed out again, when they probably crash the whole market again for who knows why. This is just your daily reminder that finance is supposed to be boring because they don't want any of us to learn about it because the people actually ruining the world are not politicians and they're not on the news. They work at the banks and they're stealing from all of us. That's, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, his assessment of Citibank's like dead on. Um, is Citibank a front cover for the CIA's bank? Uh, probably. I'd have to agree with him if that's where he was going with that. And that's why they keep doing what they're doing because they're not worried about it. The government's going to bail them out anyway, or at least the CIA will. Um, I could see that. Uh, the only problem with that is that would probably be easily traceable and somebody in Congress would probably have to know about that one though. I don't think you could keep that on the hush hush. Mm. So, uh, huh. 
Oh. Wow. You're right. Good assessment, though. You can't keep it on the hush hush. Listen. The entire budget for EPA is $12 billion. So that's all we have for the environment in this country. We're giving 12 times that to Ukraine in one year. And that's just the beginning because even if the Ukraine war ended today, we're still going to spend a half a trillion there rebuilding the country. The contracts to rebuild are even bigger than the war contracts. So Mitch McConnell was asked in, in March, because the Republicans are supposed to be concerned about budget deficits. And he said, can we really afford $113 billion? He was at. He said, don't worry, it's not really going to Ukraine. It's going to U.S. military contractors, so it's good for our country. <laughs> oh, he just admitted exactly what we've all been saying, that it's all just a money laundering scheme. Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, and Lockheed. Who do you think owns every one of those companies? Yeah. Who's the one that introduced BlackRock to the United States of America, folks? Hmm. I can tell you it goes back to one point. Hmm. When Barack Hussein Obama. Hmm. Yeah. BlackRock Incorporated in the United States in 2008. Yeah. Just saying. Who am I? Nobody. Oh, where are you going? Oh, yeah. Well, here you go. Um, shit. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Folks, we have a whole, I wish I could show you all what's on this computer screen right now. There's so many stories open. And this is just one folder. Yeah. Here we go. You know what? I'm hungry. Oh, you are? Well, you asked me if we had any cookies and now you made me hungry, Dick. <laughs> I need to smoke another bowl. <laughs> oh, that doesn't solve anything. I know. That makes me more hungry. I know. Let's go to McDonald's in Russia. I must say, I feel good in this weather. I ordered, um, I'm embarrassed, I ordered a cheeseburger, two che I ordered two cheeseburgers, large Coke, large fries, and a chocolate cake. We're back in the van. We've, we've just come back from the Ursatz Moscow McDonald's. Tasty, that's it. And first, the price, okay? Now, I'll admit, I have not been to a fast food place in quite some time trying to preserve my girlish figure. Also, doesn't make me feel good that I'm 54, so you probably shouldn't be eating that crap. But, um, so I'm not exactly current on the prices, but here's what it costs in Moscow. 647 rubles. That is exactly $7, $7.05, I think. And for that, we got two cheeseburgers, large fries, large cola, Coke knockoff, and a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> Just couldn't resist. Is that healthy? No. I should say Putin banned GMO foods in Russia four years ago, um, which is interesting. I didn't ask her about that. I probably should have. Uh, but so 
maybe we're in a little better shape. I'm not sure. Anyway, here's what we have for that. Let's first go to the fries, McDonald's most famous product, the fries. All right. These are tasty, that's it, Siberian-owned Russian fries. Everybody knows what a McDonald's French fry tastes like, so it's not going to be hard to assess. Oh, that's excellent. Totally the same. Um, we just walked all the way a block in the snow back to the truck with these things, and they're still good. Okay. Fries are a winner. Now, I got recognizable foods. Like, every American has had a McDonald's cheeseburger. Okay. That's a Siberian cheeseburger in the husk of a McDonald's outlet. All right. Now, as in America, I'm not going to open it up to see what's inside because, like, you don't really want to know. I'm just going to eat it. All right. Ready? Oh. Excellent. Exactly the same. <laughs> My first thought is I should be not eating this shit. But... I like it, and I think they have those little chopped onions like they do in the United States. All right, I'm going to finish that off camera because it's disgusting to watch a man eat. But before I stop, I'm going to go right to dessert. I'm not going to eat it. I'm just going to show you what tasty that's it serves in Moscow. A piece of chocolate cake. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat this in front of you either because that would be super degrading, and I'm not going there even for my love of the Internet. But I am going to sniff it which will give me some sense of its flavor, and then off-camera I'll assess and let you know. And that smells great. It smells great. So look, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just trying to let you know what life under sanctions, once Tony Blinken has written your country out of the civilized world, how do you live? Not bad. All right, I'm just finishing my McBreakfast, which was really McLunch, and I gotta say it was McAwesome. It really was the non-GMO version. There you go. Yeah, it's just weird because Navalnyev, whatever his name is, died today. Oh, yeah. And they're all talking about how he was a champion of democracy. <laughs> just like Fannie Willis. He was a terrorist. Literally, he was a terrorist. Just like Fannie Willis. I'm, I don't, you know what? I, we've watched the Fannie Willis trial for two days running. I'm, and there's some fucking gems in there. It's ridiculous. It was just drama. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that the second half of Sunday after we talk about getting your go bag ready. But, um, I, I can't do it tonight. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't handle any more fucking Fannie. Oh, Fannie. No, no, no. I'm just saying just, it's just like Fannie Willis. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, cause Fannie Willis is a, cause like apparently this morning on the view, Oh my god, this is so cringe. <laughs> Apparently Whoopi said you go queen. <laughs> I couldn't even find the clip, but oh god, I was like, it. no fucking way. Everybody was talking about it this morning. Apparently, Whoopi on the view said you go queen to Fanny Willis. Oh, oh my god. We do not live in this world where Fanny that is, is going getting on. Fanny ass handed to her, and it's a fucking big ass. So that's um, <laughs> going to take a couple of those. Beep, 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 beep. No shit. Beep, beep. Anyway. Ooh. Oh, back to Joe's corruption. <sighs> From the Oversight Committee, GOP Oversight. Joe Biden interacted with nearly all of Hunter's foreign business associates. Wait, 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 wait. No, this grim kid told us. He told us. 
I have never interacted with any of my son's business partners. You said that last December. So based on the evidence they uncovered it and witness testimony, Joe Biden dined when he was VP with Russian oligarch Yelena Baturina, uh, Kazakhstani oligarch Kenes Rakishev, and Vadim Pozarsky. Burisma's corporate secretary at Cafe Milano, as these foreign nationals were collectively paying his son, Hunter Biden, millions of dollars. He spoke to his son's foreign business associates by phone over 20 times when he was VP. He had coffee with Jonathan Lee, Hunter's Chinese associate, and wrote a college letter of recommendation for his daughter when he was VP. He met with 10 CEFC officials, including Chairman Yi Jinping, who has ties to CCP intelligence in early 2017. This is around the time that Hunter Biden and his associates received $3 million as a thank you for the work they did for CEFC when Joe Biden was vice president. I'll talk to you more after the also China, President Biden on Ukraine and also China. Uh, there's polling by the Associated Press that shows that almost 70% of Americans, including 40% of Democrats, believe that you acted either illegally or unethically in regards to your family's business interests. Can you explain to the Americans, uh, to Americans admit this impeachment inquiry, why you interacted with so many of your son and brother's foreign business associates? I'm not going to comment that I did not. And it's just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many uh, of their, their business associates? I did not. There's well, lies. Lies, lies, you, you liar. But wait, there's more. There is. There is. How do you know? Because I know, I know what wheel you're on now. I mm -hmm. figured it out. I had to jump onto the next train. And this one. This is fun. You know, hold, you know what? Hold on. Before we, before we get there. Did I get rid of the other one? No, here it is. Let's let's do this one first. Yeah, but Valentine's Day was. Like I know, I know, but one leads into the other. Okay. I know Joe's retarded. You, know, you remember he said that the first time he ever saw Jill, he knew that she was the one that he was going to spend the rest of his life with. You remember that? Hmm. Yeah, well, I can't remember that anymore. What the hell, Hunter? What are you doing? Put your pants up, for God's sake. You're like the smartest person I know. Come on, man. Ooh, that's a hell of a right there. See, that was <laughs> worth it. All right. Now, <laughs> now we can officially hear the truth. We talk about Joe and Jill's. The truth behind Joe and Jill's epic love affair. love story. Epic. Philly girl. I married a Philly girl. Ooh, Philly girls are the best. Philly girls are okay, I'm sure, but uh, he didn't marry a Philly girl. It's one of many, many lies Joe Biden tells. Tells him all the time. Like breathing. He's lying. He's talking about Dr. Jill Biden, not the first life Dr. Jill Biden. And uh, Jill tells a whopper here several years ago to Piers Morgan about uh, Joe and her and their first date. Fascinated by this story that he basically got his eyes on you when he saw a picture of you in an advertisement. Is this true? Well, part of it is true. I had met him uh, once before 
And, um, but we were in a crowd and it was at a fundraiser. And um, so then I guess he saw my picture somewhere and he said, oh, now that's the kind of girl I'd like to date. And I knew his brother. So his brother said, oh, I know her because I was in college at the time with, and his brother was there. And so uh, Frank called me and, um, or got my number and Joe called and said, you know, this is Joe Biden and um, would you like to go out? And uh, where was your first date? We went to Philadelphia to the movies. Do you remember the film? No, I don't. So when I first saw that, I knew, not knowing the movie, my parents, they went to see Psycho. There was something up with that story. It didn't check out somehow. And uh, well, then I met uh, Jill Biden's first husband, a great guy named Bill, Bill Stevenson, who's been on this show now. Uh, I think this might be your third time. We're so grateful that we have a relationship with Bill Stevenson, a very successful businessman from Delaware. Uh, yes, who was married to Jill Biden before Joe Biden was. And uh, Joe met Jill while still married to uh, our friend Bill. Bill, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Greg, for having me tonight. I love the new 9 o'clock time slot. It's uh, perfect. Congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I know. We're really excited about it. So, listen, we'd love to. You've known Joe Biden since. Uh, well, what year did you first meet Joe? 1971, Greg. Wow. And the funny thing is, it was pointed out to me today that even though he has moved three times uh, up here just outside, <clears throat> just outside Wilmington, I've always lived about two miles from him, which I do now. So, I've known him since 1951. We were friends. And uh, as we had discussed before, I backed him on the 1972 Senate run, which was when he was 29 years old, and uh, backed him 100%. And uh, it only took two and a half, three years down the road for him to betray me. 1971, I think you momentarily slipped at the tongue, said 1951. You met him in 1971. When I say 51, I was thinking maybe uh, her birthday to 51. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, so, Greg. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. We know, and and you've told the story. Nineteen seventy-one. So, um, and uh, without going into all the details, which you and I have done before, the interview is on on our website. Uh, you're married to Jill. You're working with Joe, trying to get him elected, throwing fundraisers, and at some point, Joe starts a relationship with your then wife. You have no doubt. No doubt. And the story she just told about. First date, going to the movies in Philadelphia, and Frank Biden giving the phone number. What do you say? Is that at all true? It's an absolute lie. And what's so funny was, uh, they're saying it happened in March of 75. I do have that date right. Uh, I'm saying that the affair started in the summer of 1974, where a Corvette that I had just given her for her birthday, Joe backed into another car, and then failed to pay the person within a reasonable amount of time. And he came to my business, explained the story that his car was damaged. And uh, three quarters of the way through the conversation, he told me that it was Joe driving, not Joe. So yeah, there's some fact. One more little funny thing though, that uh, is even crazier about that story with Piers Morgan is that Joe and I had gone to Philadelphia often to a restaurant called Champagnon. Uh, why they would go to that restaurant on their first date is crazy. Not only did the waiter recognize them, one of my great friends was there and took that picture of Joe and Joe in that restaurant. 
doesn't make any sense at all. All right, now, but you have no bitterness toward Jill. Things happen in life, people make mistakes. And I think you actually said at one point, this happened, people should know, but it's not necessarily back in 2020, I think you said this, a reason to vote against Joe Biden. People make mistakes, you know, a lot of our marriages end in divorce. That is not a reason not to vote for Joe Biden, in your opinion, although there are plenty of others. But I just want to be clear on that. If, if I'm right, am I right about that? Is that how you view things? Oh, 100 percent. You're right. Uh, I was just the other day when I found out she had COVID, asked for my Facebook friends to send a prayer her way. Uh, I have no issues with Dr. Jill Biden. Uh, we were both very young. Everybody around me knows that it has worked out unbelievably for me with Linda, my stepdaughter, Christina, and my family. It's been, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, Greg. We have a poll here. Uh, a lot of people do not think that Joe is up to the job uh, as president. 60% expressed doubts about his mental fitness for the role of president. 73% um, of voters in the U.S. expressed concerns that Joe Biden is too old. You knew him all the way back in 1971. You see him around now. And it's 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 obvious to all of us. We've seen the old footage, but it's certainly obvious to you, probably more than anybody, that uh, this guy is a different man. Not only is he a different man, it is uh, absolutely amazing what I feel he's doing to destroy this country. Greg, we've all had those friends that uh, were lying their whole lives. Uh, you know, you lose those friends hopefully down the road, and that's what's happened to him. I'm probably the only guy that has known him for 51 years, and just because I can't get away from him, it seems, that uh, I watch what's going on. Those guys that continue to tell lies, he told them literally on the first fundraiser that I did with him, he stole a story from me, and I think uh, some of your uh, viewers have so, have seen that story. But this guy has lied so much. And what happens to those people over time is that they don't know where the lie ends and where the truth is, and especially later on in life. You begin to confuse them. I mean, I'm 75. Uh, my whole life has been an open book to my friends. All my best friends I went to prep school with, my five closest loyal followers, and friends have known me for almost 55, 56 years. Nothing has changed between the five of us. Boy, what's changed between Joe is it's dangerous for the country, and it's dangerous for a country that I love. Bill Stevenson has such remarkable insight and perspective into the, uh, the president, his wife, and... Yeah. Hmm. Joe's a dishonest dirt bag but that's not a reason to not okay yeah that was obviously a while ago because they had shit tickering across the bottom that i was reading and i was like there's no way that that's a new clip that's an old clip but still okay. joe's a dishonest dirt bag you don't say from wall fuck, street apes if he'll fuck your wife he'll shoot you in the back just telling you. Is there? Oh, there is a video. There Yay. is a video. So we finally. Good. Let's let's watch video. So we finally get to the good things that the media won't cover. Here are, you see, eight notebooks covered 
in black there. This is where he kept most of his notes from his time in the Senate days, especially under the 2009-2016 vice presidency that he seemed to not remember. It says that notebooks are seized from the file cabinet under the television in his Delaware home office, not in a secure locked location or in a skiff. Here's another seven notebooks uh, seized from a file cabinet under his printers in Delaware home office. And it says these ones were seized from a bookcase in a Delaware home in a second level office. And let me just clarify. When I said that earlier, Joe Biden is one dumb son of a bitch, I really meant that. And I'm going to double down on this. Here we have, let me scroll up here so we can get the beginning of this. It says, often Mr. Biden's notes contain real-time minutes of National Security Council meetings, during which the president deliberated with his senior military intelligence and foreign policy advisors. These meetings regularly involved discussions of classified information. For this reason, they took place in the Situation Room, which is itself a skiff, and signs conspicuously designated National Security Council meetings as top secret. Huh. Some of the handwritten notes Mr. Biden took in his notebooks during these meetings included classified information. The notebooks contained such information about the following subjects. We have the first one is U.S. intelligence sources, methods, and capabilities, U.S. intelligence activities, the activities of foreign intelligence services, U.S. military programs and capabilities, foreign military programs and capabilities, plans and capabilities of foreign terrorist organizations. You remember earlier when people said that the thing that happened in Afghanistan was because of Trump leaking it to Russia in a you know closed discussion behind closed doors with Mr. Putin? It doesn't really seem like that anymore, does it? Never seemed like that from the beginning. Yeah. But go back real quick to that last page. I can tell that this guy's a trucker. I can hear leaking it. I can hear his truck rumbling in the background there, but those look like bullet points for a capabilities briefing in which he was being briefed on. Oh, this that's that's no. from the her report. It says I, I got gotcha, uh, you, I got gotcha. you. But it telling you what was written in the notebooks. They look like bullet points from a briefing he was receiving, a capabilities briefing on what uh, one military organization can do, intelligence-wise, collection platforms, methods, how they do it. Um, activities that they currently have ongoing. It sounds like he was, that was like from the beginning when he was being briefed by all the NSC staff. That's what that sounds like to me. And yeah, that shit is all classified. You're not, you're not allowed to take, but again, I asked this only not to defend the motherfucker, but seriously, I've been in those briefings where you're briefing a super high ranking dude. All right. And I've stood there before, and I've watched them take notes. Where's that notebook going? Some of them. You, you know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? But who am I to qu call them? Y you see where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that colonel or that general that's in that room that's briefing the president or the vice president of the United States, he's not going to be like, hey, sir, I, I need those notes. You, you can't leave here with those. Look, I've been in those real big ones with the guys over there behind the fence. And those guys, there were guys in there taking notes. So I, I'm just saying, 
I'm not giving him an excuse for what he did, but it, that's a rough one. When you get to that pinnacle, you, you don't go much higher than the president, and you only go one step when it's the vice president. And 90% of the time, the president's going to back the vice president. Therefore, if you go bitching the president that he's taking notes and he's not giving them up at the end, you're going to get your pecker slapped. Uh, I think there's a lot more that he's going to get his pecker slapped for. Well, this is what we were talking about. This is what I've been talking about since the beginning. I know. Part three of the investigation into how the CIA framed Trump just dropped, and it changes everything. This week, we learned how Obama's CIA told foreign spies to bump 26 Trump campaign associates, who the CIA thought were, you know, easy marks, framing them for collusion and then triggering the FBI investigation, the illegal wiretapping, and eventually the Mueller probe. We also learned there are classified documents that prove all of this, that Trump might have copies of, and it could be why Biden raided Mar-a-Lago. Now, today, Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi dropped another bombshell. Russia didn't want Trump to win in 2016. Russia wanted Hillary, and the CIA knew it. Russia saw Hillary as manageable and predictable. They were comfortable with her and wanted her to be president. The Russians thought Trump was a wild card, didn't want to deal with that. There was never any evidence showing Putin supporting Trump. Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, knew this and manufactured the evidence. He manipulated other assessments, buried high-quality intelligence, and then manufactured a conclusion that 17 agencies agreed Russia interfered in the 2016 elections to help Trump. And then the press ran with it, and the country was brainwashed. Now, according to these new reports, these were similar tactics the CIA used with the WMDs. This has severely wounded our body politic, warped our minds, and wrecked our trust in national security institutions. We deserve the full accounting of this hoax immediately, every document involved. Thankfully, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger have made great progress, and Mike joins us now. Mike, tell us what this new cooking the books situation really is all about. Uh, sure, Jesse, it's good to be with you. Well, I think some people wonder if this is old news or maybe if this has been reported. I want to assure you that it has not been reported until now. I can also assure you that there are current members of the House Intelligence Committee that are unaware of a 50-page report that the CIA is currently hiding at its headquarters. There may be other copies elsewhere, but there is a top-secret copy at the CIA proving without a doubt, according to our sources, which are multiple credible sources, that Russia, in fact, favored Hillary Clinton, not Donald Trump, in 2016, that they used the Steele memo, the, the infamous political doc. Okay, first of all, Mike, uh, you're doing great work. I, I'm not going to bullshit you. You are getting the facts. You're getting the digits. You're right. What I proposed three years ago was this was all connected. I didn't have proof. I had a lot of sus sus uh, suspicion and supposition about the topics because I had a lot of things that just didn't add up. Mm -hmm. We had some definite blank areas that, yes, you are now filling in now, Mike. There's no doubt in my mind. But to say it wasn't reported is bullshit. 
Yeah, and but I, no one listens to us. Just saying. I, I just, just letting it out there. Again, I hate when this shit happens because they say this shit all the time as if they're gods. Look, this this whole print media shit's apparently going away. I've been watching that too. So good luck with that one, Mike. Just letting you know. There's always Substack. Yeah, yeah that's where he's big at. Right I know. Document commissioned by the Hillary Clinton campaign to create, to cook the intelligence, as they said, for the early January 2017 intelligence community assessment claiming that the Russians favored Trump falsely, that relied on the Steele memo. That 50-page report continues to exist. It likely exists with the other intelligence information, including potentially raw intelligence documents, showing that the evidence was very strongly on the side, the best evidence was on the side, that the Russians favored Clinton for the, for the continuity and stability, that they were concerned about Trump for being erratic, and being an unknown quantity, and that the quality of the evidence that uh, that contradicted that was much lower, and that it was, and that Brennan's people manipulated the the sourcing, so to speak, the quality ranking given to the sources to come up with really the opposite outcome of what the truth was. So the election has just happened. Hillary has lost. It was a surprise. They'd already kind of had this CIA FBI deal working. And then they needed some major assessment that was authoritative. And you're saying Brennan at the CIA just started going like this and moving everything around to create this impression that they interfered on behalf of Trump? Yeah, that's right. There's actually two separate intelligence scandals here to, for people to keep in mind. The first one happened earlier in 2016, where our sources, multiple sources tell us that Brennan oversaw manipulation of our foreign allies to basically entrap Trump associates to create the pretext for the FBI investigation of Trump supposed alleged collusion with Russia, which we now know is debunked. The second thing is, uh, almost a year later, Brennan orchestrates a phony intelligence assessment that comes to the opposite conclusion of what their own raw intelligence, their best intelligence was showing. These are two massive, massive intelligence scandals. What we're witnessing is the political corruption of both intelligence gathering and intelligence analysis by John Brennan. And these documents, we have been told by multiple people, still exist. They're at the CIA. They need to be released. They're probably part of this larger binder, which may have the other documents to support both the, the evidence of both of these scandals. How do we hold Brennan accountable? Congress has to take action. I mean, as I said, I, ha I now know for a fact that there are members of the House Intelligence Committee whose job it is, whose constitutional requirement it is to oversee the CIA, to demand that the CIA be a non-political institution they need to hold them to account. There need to be hearings on this. They need to get to the bottom of that. We need that 50-page report and the binder and the rest of the documents. Well, I agree. I'm, I'm not relying on Congress to do much of anything these days. I do like the CIA interfering in other people's elections, just not ours. That's a line we can never cross. Schellenberger, thanks so much. And thanks to you, Matt Taibbi, as well. Tell him thanks. Okay. Too late. Okay, wait, hold on. Hold on. There's actually some good info that came out in that. Real good info. He just tied up a big piece. So do you remember September 2015? Did everybody remember September? Do you, do you guys remember what happened in September Benghazi. 2015? Correct. What else happened in September 2015? Right after Benghazi, there was a great big meeting. Okay. And it was at the White House. I know that. I know for a fact Hillary Clinton was there. And I know for a fact Joe Biden was there. Okay. 
Um, I know that Trump had already declared, and I know he was already surging in the polls. I also know that Hillary had already declared, and Obama was trying to help her out. Well, Biden and Hillary were still fighting in front of him, I think. Mm -hmm. But one of the big things that came out of that meeting was they had to come up with come up with a plan B in case the unthinkable happened. And four months later, count them again, four months later, what happened? Schellenberger just told you four months later, this there's this miraculous memorandum that shows up to the FBI that says that Steele has got this information in England and it's coming through CIA channels. Mick, how does COVID and this link together? Hmm. Are you ready for this one? Hmm. What is another subsidiary company under Fusion GPS? Hmm. Eco Health Alliance. No. Yes. Yes, I know. Do I have to say any more? Eco Health Alliance is a subsidiary of Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS who was hired by Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me she doesn't have her Dick Peters in Eco Health Alliance either? Just mm-hmm. saying. Oh, and who else was on the board of Eco Health Alliance? Mm-hmm. Devin Archer, mm-hmm. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden wasn't on Eco Health Alliance. No, he was with uh, Rosemont Seneca. Rosemont Seneca at the time. But Rosamond Seneca was the business that was helping Devin Archer and Eco Health Alliance, which was a subsidiary of Fusion GPS. And then you got the other half of the that uh, duo right there. No, 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 no. Yes, Russia would pull for Killary. Oh yeah, openly they would. Putin and Trump seem to get along so well because Putin is honestly a, a real leader. He, he doesn't have to like someone to, to get along with blow them yeah. up. Yeah. He understands that Trump was going to follow the rules and mm-hmm. Trump was going to do what Trump does. Yeah. And he's, he understood he's going to lead his people. He understood that the best way for Trump to not be unpredictable was for Putin to not be unpredictable. Kind of like calling each other's bluffs. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you really look at it and think about it, uh, when Trump and Putin met that first time, that was kind of like, if you remember, everybody was broadcasting this one as, oh, this is it. This is where he's going to fuck We're it gonna up. We're going to go to war. We're going to war after this. If you remember, mm-hmm. MSNBC, CNN, and everybody else, Fox wasn't losing their mind. Nobody else lost their mind, but MSN, all the MSMs did. And we're going to war. <laughs> Trump went over there and that first talk in front of the uh, uh, the fireplace, if you remember, it seemed really cold. Like Trump kind of laid the law down and said, look, dude, this is the way it's going to work. Fuck I don't with give me. A I'm going to drop a bomb on Moscow. I believe that's what Trump said. And, uh, you know, it seemed pretty cold. But at the end of that trip, though, it was like four days. I think they spent together at the end of the four days. They seemed to have a pretty good working relationship. They understood. Look, don't push my boundaries. If I do something, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'll kick your ass. But I, I don't, 
I think Putin didn't like that because Putin couldn't push. Putin likes to push. They're Russians. It's part of it. It's a cultural thing. I know a lot of if you know any Russians, you would understand what I'm talking about. They're, it's a cultural thing. They like to push. And I think Putin doesn't like a leader that is going to push back. That's my take on it, at least. That's what I believe. That's my, my opinion. Uh, I could see it. It could be. I could see what you're saying. Why not take Trump? I mean, for us, it makes sense to take Trump. But if you think about hurting our country or protecting your own country, what's better for them? Not Trump. Because if Trump's going to step across that line, you know he's bringing everything he's got. That means a lot of people are going to die. But now, what's Biden doing? There's a lot more people dying under Biden. Yeah, but that's our people. Putin's not worried about our people. True that. He's only worried about his own people. Oh, Craig said, uh, Mick, next time, please lead as Moda has depressed me. Moda, do not drop a bomb. Drop a bong. I just did. She did drop a bong anyway. earlier tonight. And mm-hmm. I was very upset. I did. She Thank spilled God the bong metal. water all over the carpet. Uh, no, no the floor. Thank Again, God we don't have carpet. Tile. We don't do carpets, Thank please. You have dogs and kids. We don't do carpets. That's just stupid. You ever pulled up a carpet after you've had dogs and kids? That shit's nasty. You'll never put a fucking carpet down again. Like yeah. we pulled a carpet up once and I was like, nope, we're going to get that wood tile shit because this is fucking gross. Anyway, um, here's the other half of that duo. Matt Taibbi on Kudlow. Well, ace investigative journalist Matt Taibbi asked in a dynamite article, is the electoral fix already in? The 2024 presidential race increasingly looks like it will be decided by lawyers, not voters, as Democrats unveil plans for America's first lawfare election. And it's a great pleasure. He's uh, come to join us on the show to talk about this, Matt Taibbi. Uh, so, Matt, I, I guess I read most of it. I originally read about it. Uh, you make some really uh, tough points. Uh, I know you're not a partisan guy. I know you're not a big Trump supporter per se. But it is interesting that Democrats thought Trump was going to blame them for being an insurrection. Now they're blaming Trump. Now they're trying to sabotage the election. Everything is lawfare. Keep them off the ballot. And riff, riff on this, because this is dynamite stuff. Hadn't gotten enough attention, Matt. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, uh, Larry. Uh, I've, I've been covering presidential elections since 2004. Normally, at this time of year, uh, media is intensely interested in what voters think, and we're out there going from state to state, interviewing people about what, who, whom they're going to vote for. This year, all of the key battles are going to be taking place in courtrooms. We had uh, the Supreme Court hearing last week uh, about the Colorado case. There were complaints just filed about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. There's an ongoing battle to keep the the no labels third party off the ballot. Uh, in multiple states. And all of this stuff is designed to make key determinations about who who can participate in the elections ahead of the 2024 vote. Uh, And there's the possibility exists that, uh, you know, everybody but the major party candidate on the Democratic side will face very, very serious legal challenges uh, ahead of this vote. Yeah, Biden won't let any primaries. I find that most curious. You know, people refer to 68 when LBJ stepped down because Gene McCarthy 
sort of upset him in New Hampshire. Uh, believe it or not, I was a kid in those days working on those campaigns. But the pro there are no primaries now. Biden won't let it, which I think is completely undemocratic. Right. And this is, an, uh, again, a massively underreported story because uh, for whatever reason, the mainstream press, which should be intensely interested at least in the goings-on of the Democratic Party, uh, didn't seem to care that they essentially disallowed the results of the New Hampshire primary, uh, that they canceled, flat-out canceled the Florida primary. And, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who was slated to run a very well-financed campaign from within the Democratic Party, was essentially forced to run as a third-party candidate uh, because of all of these obstacles. Mm. And they're, they're not allowing you to run a mounted intramural challenge, and they don't want you to run a third-party challenge. And they're trying to get Donald Trump off the ballot in the Republican Party. So who do they want to run against? It's, mm. it's, it's kind of an interesting question. It's a very odd thing. You know, you're right. Um, the left feels completely justified usurping the democratic will of the American people in order to, quote, save democracy. And you also mentioned this transition integrity project, TIP, uh, run by Jennifer Granholm and uh, John Podesta. I I've known John Podesta forever and ever when I was a Democrat. But it just sounds like they're itching. I, I know no one's blameless on all sides in politics, but it sounds like the Dems are itching to sabotage the election. So the Transition Integrity Project was another really, really interesting story, again, underreported. Uh, it came out in the summer of, of 2020 that there was a group of people who claimed to be deeply concerned that Donald Trump would not leave the White House voluntarily. So they gathered 100 prominent people who included, as you mentioned, uh, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, John Podesta, the former head of the DNC, Donna Brazil, the former head of the RNC, Michael Steele, uh, a number of uh, former defense officials uh, and people in the military. And they had war game exercises uh, to determine what to do mm. if um, in a series of contest contested election scenarios. Mm. And one of the scenarios involved the clear Trump win in which John Podesta playing Biden uh, threatened to secede from the union <laughs> rather than go along with the result. And uh, this only got out because somebody leaked it to the New York Times. Otherwise, we would never have heard about it. Uh, but this kind of group is apparently constituting again. There was a story in NBC a couple of weeks ago talking about another loose-knit organization mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. that is making kind of plans. And you have to think that they're wargaming similar situations. All right. Uh, Matt Taibbi, there's never enough time in life. But we appreciate your coming on very much. Mm. Fuck you, Larry Kudlow. I fucking hate that pontificating piece of shit. I Democrat, li liberal fuck. But, hey, Taibbi just told you what I just told you not even five seconds ago. Well, yeah. There's that meeting. CIA's part of this, playing this game. Brennan's involved. Remember who Brennan was appointed by. Where's Brennan now? Who's got some who's got some explaining to do, Nancy? All right. A couple more and then we're gonna get out of here. I can only do this for so long. What the fuck? I don't know. What did you oh, do? Oh no, it's it's not oh, one of those. Yeah, it is. So we'll get rid of that. Nope. Oh no, it should just be this. There we go. Okay. Why did it take you to another I don't Close know? That, please. I will. In 2020, whatever one thinks of Donald Trump, the fact that four prosecutors 
may have 500 indictments. I mean, Charles Manson didn't earn 500 indictments. So it's, it's a use of the levers of government to warp elections and to be exempt from the consequences of their uh, activity. We've had four subsequent FBI directors. They all have one thing in common. Robert Mueller misled the country when under oath he said he didn't know what fusion GPS or steel were. And then, of course, James Comey claimed amnesia 245 times under oath. And Andrew McCabe, admittedly, by his own admission, uh, lied four times to federal investigators. And then Christopher Ray has just been stonewalled. And they all have one thing in common. There were no consequences. That's a threat to democracy. Right. And I think yeah. th this is, yeah, to me, this, this is the, the threat to democracy is when the people in power, whether elected or not, really, have no accountability, no accountability. to the people. And, and, and the, the, because to me, the, the accountability, the, the, the founding of the country, uh, is based upon limitations in the, by, of the people in power, right? I mean, this is, this, this part of the limitation is the accountability and accountability by election isn't enough. We need to have accountability uh, so how do, how do we ensure accountability? I mean, one of the ways, and I think these have been lost, and this is where I'd like to get your thoughts on the accountability, uh, from my, uh, uh, lifetime has been one, number one, uh, the investigative journalism side of things. Yes, that's the one media way. has always been a lever insisting and holding these people in power to account that's that to me has been gone uh has been removed because the media is 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 a gross failure in being a objective truth-seeking body similarly the the courts have been politicized i mean the these to me are the uh the real threats to democracy whereas the people who keep claiming that people like trump are threats to democracy or electing republicans is a threat to democracy that claim is is simply uh, overtly self-contradictory because they're claiming that democratic outcomes are threats to democracy. Yeah, you can't have the people actually electing people. That's a threat to democracy. God forbid. I mean, seriously, people. Oh. One of these days, oh, it scratches out, by the way, over on the pill side. So scratch. go get your scratch. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, just one of these days, one of these, this is going to be amazing. Sparky, if you're listening, um, you're, you're being hailed in the chat. Cause, uh, someone thinks that the people in the comments are rude and you've not been around for a while, Sparky. So I gotta say, maybe they, they don't they understand don't what true rude is. <laughs> we miss you, Sparky. Come back. Okay. Everybody's a cunt. I know was looking at some data this morning that shocked me in media if you're buying time let's say in a presidential election because frankly we wouldn't be tracking this case if it wasn't tied to trump we wouldn't be watching this right now what i've learned in the last 10 days because i get the data every five business day cycles because we spend so much money on paid media unpaid media social media buys for cable buys for network trump has done something no one's ever done before i'm not saying it's good or bad 
He has sucked the oxygen out of the room for every competitor he has, including Nikki Haley. Even Biden doesn't get as much network time as he's getting now. This is extraordinary. If you actually look at the data, he's getting about 80% of the unpaid media. I mean, I don't know if you want to call that genius, but that's millions of dollars of free network time. It's, it's all Trump all day long, every single second. And here we are, more Trump now. This is a, a case that's hardly consequential to the outcome of the country on policy. And frankly, many people like me say, who cares? But every second is Trump. That's the genius of this. Emily. <laughs> well, all right. That is, I, I got it. You know what? DJT, you earned this one, bro. This one you earned. Thunder. Um, Thunder. Thunder. All right. Thunder kicks. Get the fuck out of here. I said I wasn't going to do any fanny today, but you asked me for something funny, Craig, because I know you're flagging. You're going to get out of here. So I got I got two clips for you before you leave. OK, this one direct, directly relates to the last one. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever, ever. I've been really No. You've never gone to a cabinet with this. No. <laughs> Did you go to <laughs> Baby, you get this. Thunder. Oh, Thunder. Thunder. Thunder <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Oh. Oh. That was funny. All Holy right. shit. That's hysterical. Wow. Okay. Here's 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 uh here's one. Here's a fuck around and find out one for you, okay? Instant karma. I don't know. I, I I think these two are just fucking around, but uh. maybe still fuck around and find out. It's murder on the dance floor. If you better not feel the glow. Hey, 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 it's murder on the dance floor. I mean, what are you thinking? He's oh, I'm gonna throw a drink on you. I got a pressure washer. I'm gonna <laughs> shoot you with like a thousand gallons a second. Be like, I didn't realize you wanted the inside of your car washed as well because you opened the window. Here you go. I, I, I'm Fucker sorry, Jesus. Out. That's fucking stupid. I know. I'm gonna throw my drink on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm wearing a rain suit, dude. What the fuck? You're not gonna get me more wet, bro. It's that's not gonna help. You moron. Maybe it was a lesbian driving the car. Maybe she did get more wet. <laughs> Sorry, you kind of left the door open on that one. <laughs> I didn't leave any door open anywhere. I mean, you, you... I wasn't even going down that road. <laughs> I wasn't even going to that twisted back alley. Get the hell out of here. I wasn't bringing up a clip of rear taken in the rear Admiral Kirby. So I don't know where you're talking about twisted back alleys. <laughs> gotcha. <sighs> Oh, wow. All right. Um, here's uh, Obama's doctor. A cognitive test Obama. that the White House has essentially dismissed out of hand. What would that tell us about his current state of mind, his condition? Well, I think Laura would tell us exactly what we all already know, and I'm not even sure that we need the cognitive test anymore. Everyone in the country knows what's going on right now. It would tell us that he's not fit to be our president, our commander in chief. My apologies. This is uh, Ronnie Jackson, a Texas congressman. Um, but they're talking about a report from or a report from uh, Obama's previous White House 
physician. Yeah. Our head of state. It's unfortunate, you know, but I, I, I maintain that, you know, President Trump had to do a cognitive test. The, the press just went crazy demanding, you know, and I was a physician at the time, demanding that he have a cognitive test done as part of his physical exam uh, because they didn't like his personality. They didn't like his, his style, not because he did anything that was uh, concerning on a cognitive level. But, you know, they've set the precedent now. And I think that I told him today, I had a press conference today. And I said, you know, I want to see the same enthusiasm and the same insistence that President Biden get a cognitive test done now, because if we've ever had a sitting president that needs a cognitive test, it's right now. This is an absolute disaster. And I've been saying this, and you've heard me say it a thousand times. I've been saying it since he was candidate Joe Biden. This man's not fit to be our president. You know, he's continued to uh, to demonstrate to the entire world over and over over the last three and a half years that that's the case. Now we have the Her report, completely different angle, you know, an appointee from his own DOJ that's, that's basically saying the wanna... same thing now. Yeah. Yeah, I want to point out that the White House said in response today, Congressman, you just got out a mouthful there, in a statement to Fox Digital, they compared you <laughs> to a Simpsons character, basically saying you have no credibility, um, you know, Im Im implying well, that, you know, you kind of fudged Trump's cognitive test and that you have no credibility on this. You're that's right. absolutely ridiculous. And you know, Laura, I was at the White House. I was a White House physician for 14 years. I took care of President Bush for three years. I took care of President Obama for eight years. And I took care of President Bush for three, or President Trump for three years. So I was there 14 years for three different administrations, including eight years in the Obama administration, in which I was the appointed physician to the president for Obama. Most of these people, a lot of these people are in the West Wing right now with Joe Biden. I took care of them. They were the, so for them to make that claim is ridiculous. It doesn't right, surprise me. They yes, spend all their time watching the Simpsons. Yeah, they're smearing you. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. smearing you. I, I want to yeah. point out something that Chris Matthews on MS. Yeah, no, don't care. Sorry. I, she's, she's, she really annoys me. She really annoys me. Uh, it was... Uh, well, I want to point out that Chris Matthews... That, I mean, you want to watch it? No. I didn't think so. No, that, no I just... That was, on, uh, that was on Ash Wednesday, so she... She got her ashes. She got her ashes. So like a good little Catholic wearing a bright gold cross around her neck. You know. That's why you wore a silver one. Fuck no. Mine's bling. You got it for me. It's Swavarsky. That's true. Okay. Oh. I thought we were only doing like one more. No, I said we were doing a few more. Oh, okay. One more segment coming in here. We're not starting replays till 10 o'clock, so we're not going that long, but. The New York Post reports agents arrested 41 members of Venezuela's most violent gang in the last fiscal year alone. Law enforcement officials say they may be joining forces with the notorious MS-13 gang. Chris Wecker is a former FBI assistant director. He set up the first international task force to fight MS-13. But if you take MS-13 and you add it to this Train de Aragua, I hope I'm saying that correctly, although I don't think they deserve my respect in terms of pronunciation. But we need to know what could possibly be coming here. And Venezuelans, they basically got the free pass to come into America from the Biden administration. Yeah, we're, we're in big trouble here. I mean, the, these are two of the most dangerous gangs on the planet. They are prison spawn gangs. They, they come out of the muck and the slime of these South American prisons, which are their stronghold. They are on the lowest rung of the evolutionary ladder when it comes to organized crime. That means they're all strictly street crime, which is dangerous. They bring with them just mindless knuckle-dragging violence. They kill with knives and machetes. 
MS-13 is well established. They're going to be the more dominant of the two gangs. They've been here for quite a while. And as you say, Dana, we knocked them down in, in the late 2000s with, a, with a, just an international effort. But now they're coming back in and they're reestablishing themselves. And that bodes ill for law enforcement across the country. We're going to be living with this crime wave for decades. And I believe that Venezuela is emptying their prisons deliberately and sending these people up here, just like Castro did in the 80s. The Venezuelans encounter at the southern border totaling 144,000. That doesn't mean they're all gang members. Of course not. But right. we know in the United States that MS-13 has 10,000 gang members already here. What is their main issue? Do they, are they selling drugs? I know they terrorize people with violence. Right. They, they are, you know, they're not like La Cosa Nostra where they do more sophisticated crime like bid rigging or, or labor racketeering or the Russians that do ransomware and, and that type of crime. These are strictly, they're, they're relegated to the streets. So they're stealing cell phones, organized retail theft, robberies, prostitution, low-level street crime, but they will kill you over nothing. Okay, so and let me ask you, Chris, and this is, and this is speculation, so let me be clear about that. But we had those police officers in Times Square breaking up what they thought was possibly a pickpocketing situation. They were Venezuelan migrants. These are the ones who escaped without having to pay bail and maybe got apprehended again. There's only one who, and that, you remember the one who flipped everybody the double right. bird on his way out of court. Could that possibly be a part of this, as you say, low-level crime? Highly likely. One of their techniques is they use juveniles. They like to use juveniles. One of those assailants, one of the main assailants, was 15 years old. I can tell you, if they aren't card-carrying gang members, they are under the influence of card-carrying gang members. And, and again, it, what they bring with them is a crime wave, essentially. I and mean, we saw that happen in Miami in the 80s after Marielle Boatliff. This will stay with us for quite a while, and law enforcement better, better mount up and get on top of this because these are, these are very dangerous street criminals that makes mm. us all vulnerable. They haven't evolved uh, on the scale to the point where they're doing more sophisticated crime. And again, they go back, you go back to, if you Google uh, MS-13 and machetes, you'll see how they kill people. Yeah. Many homicides across the country by MS-13, and that's their trademark. Chris Wecker, thank you. Craig, you were supposed to go to bed. Venezuelan gangs, like I said, who do you think's coming across the border? The good guys? Uh, who, who, who said that um, the South American countries were emptying their prisons a few years ago? No, 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 not, not you. Oh, okay. No, I believe that was Trump. And I believe they, they all made fun of him and called him a xenophobe and, and all that good stuff. You know, a racist and blah, blah, blah. It was Trump. That's where I got it from, was Trump. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Trump did say that. Trump did say that. And now... They're here. What, here we what, go. What, you know, the worst part is, is that... <laughs> oh, they're joining forces. No, they're not joining forces like back in the day. Like, oh, the, the sharks and the knights, man. They, they hooked up. They're coming against the jets. Get them, vatos. No, it's not like that. Like, it's even worse. They consume one gang, consumes the other. It's even worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. Not legal. If they were legal, they need to pay taxes. What do you think is going to happen with the migrant crisis here in New York City? 
uh, it's getting bad because they're also next to my house and they piss on my door. I could tell that they're gang lords. I mean, they're tattooed up to head to toe. The people pissing on my door, they're tattooed up head to toe. And they're not, there's no law against illegal mi migrants committing crimes. So again, native countries, and it's just killing our economy. Eric Adams just said he's going to give 4,000 migrants jobs. That means 4,000 civilians have less jobs. It's just not fair to Americans. It's getting scary. Right now, you know, people in the Bronx are getting attacked. People Upper East Side, two of them just got attacked. And it's illegal to buy mace. It's illegal to protect yourself. Not legal. That's something, why you got to get out of fucking communist Something she said there. There's, there's no laws against illegals committing crimes. Yeah, but there's all sorts of laws against Americans protecting themselves. Exactly. What the fuck is the deal with that? Yeah. And then there's, then there's this. Wow. You, you, you can't even now. This can't make this shit up. This doesn't surprise me at all. But here's proof. Uh, either Mr. O'Brien or Ms. Vaughn were once to answer this question. Uh, I always kind of wonder what happens if people come here illegally and commit a crime. You know, people talk about law-abiding, da da da. If you commit a crime, and I'd like you maybe to compare the Biden administration to the Trump administration to the Obama administration or, or Clinton administration. What happens to you if you commit a crime? And how does this compare to, like I said, if you'd committed that crime six years ago? Uh, Mr. Grothman, that's the first part of your question. Uh, if you have committed a one of a wide variety of crimes which are set forth in the Immigration and Nationality Act, the way the law is written, you're supposed to be placed into removal proceedings and get a hearing. Um, un unfortunately, I think over time, the hearings have been analogized to a criminal proceeding, but they're not. They're very similar to a driver's license revocation proceeding. So if you have been convicted by an Article III court of law, the crime stands on its own. And what you get, yeah, we call them a notice to appear now, but you get an order to show cause, essentially to show why you shouldn't be removed from the United States. And those crimes can... Uh, range from things that are classified under the INA as aggravated felonies, which are set forth in uh, 101A43A of the Immigration and Nationality Act, to things that are uh, classified as crimes involving moral turpitude. So everything from shoplifting to murder uh, can potentially get you deported. There are some crimes that are considered lower level enough that, that they would not. And if you've committed certain low level crimes, you can apply for relief from removal. But anything that is classified under the INA as an aggravated felony crime is supposed to result in your removal from the U.S. and then you being barred from returning for a certain number of years. Has the, the rigor at which we enforce these rules, is that is this changed uh, between the um, Trump or even Obama administrations and President Biden? Yeah, it's changed significantly. It, it's uh, There seems to be significantly less willingness under this administration to use uh, the administrative and expedited removal procedures, uh, wherein if people have been removed from the United States after committing a crime and find themselves back here, they can actually be removed without a hearing. Um, I also found that when I was an immigration judge, I later tried to determine how many of the people that I had ordered removed, that their removal had actually been effectuated from the United States, which was something that was fairly easy to do under prior administrations, but I could not substantiate that a single individual that I had entered an order of removal against had actually been removed by this administration. That's shocking. 
Can you give me examples of crimes where you think they've been removed under Trump but are not removed now? Type of things you crimes you'd commit? Uh, they ranged uh, from everything from you know simple shoplifting to more serious things like drug trafficking and murder. I can say definitively, under the Trump administration, there was an effort to prioritize the serious violent crimes uh, for removal. Uh, sometimes it's not always possible to easily remove someone if their, their country of citizenship doesn't wish to issue them a travel document or for whatever reason doesn't wish to take them. But the effort was made regardless, and in most cases it was successful. Under this administration, I don't think that the effort is even being made. Okay, eventually I'd like to maybe give us something in writing uh, following up on that sort of thing. Certainly. Uh, Mr. Garcia. They're not even removing the murderers that the judges are saying, get them the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. And uh, I, I believe this, this, our, our least favorite fucking one of, oh, there's so many Democrat shitbags tried to uh, trip that that dude up and it, it didn't work out so well oh yeah asked about uh yeah. the uh immigration policies yeah. yes this is hysterical thank you mr goldman thank you mr chairman thank our witnesses for being here um i, I just came in a, a minute ago mr o'brien but um you said that the president has the authority to shut down the border right now under what authority uh do you refer to as I said, Section 1182F of the Immigration and Nationality Act, which was the statutory provision that was at issue in Trump v. Hawaii. It's a provision that allows the president by proclamation to temporarily suspend the admission of certain classes of aliens into the United States. So why didn't Donald Trump use that? He, he did. That's why the Trump v. Hawaii case went all the way to the Supreme Court. But then what ha why was it relied on Title 42? Um, well, there was a pandemic on. I mean, Title 42 is pitched at a very different set of circumstances. It's specifically at a public health crisis. 1182F is pitched at a general power to manage the border in confrontation of a crisis. Because <laughs> you dumbass, you don't you know the law. Know. You're just you you're... enacted Title 42, you fucking moron. Seriously, all he hears is Democrat talking points. He doesn't actually do the research for himself. Congress voted on it. Yep. Yep. So, oh, all right. Hey, the remember? Hold on, go back. No, I don't remember shit. I want to get out of here. Where's that? Done. No, no. One more. One more. One oh, more. this dumb bitch. Yeah, that one. Remember, this is the beginning of this whole Fannie Willis saga. This is what it started. In. Remember this? Let's not memory hold this because this needs to come back up too. Yeah, I personally want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Stop, forget that. This was what Fannie Willis selected for her jury pool. Remember that. Anywho. Yep. Scary shit right there. Yeah. That fucking demonic little shit. She really is. She really is. <sighs> yeah. Anyway.
Okay. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, she'll be mm-hmm. back tomorrow at 09 for the good book. Mm-hmm. And then again at 145 for the pre-show, 2 p.m. for the regular show for Freedom Gardens. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back on Sunday, same times, same channel, same bat place. Get your go bag ready to go. And then maybe we'll do some more news. Depends on what we got. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Till then, fuckers. Y'all so, have a great weekend. And re- replays start in about 30 minutes. They'll start at 10 o'clock. So this morning, dog I know this yawned. morning's good book and they've already eaten this morning's good book. And then I don't know, yesterday's podcast. That was the big dog. He's I, know. Going, I know, but he's already eaten. So fucker okay. howls now. It's yeah, badass. he does. It's quite hysterical. It's so anyway, funny as shit. replays, I don't know what order they're going to be in whatever I put them up at, but replays start at uh, 10 o'clock starting with the good book. That's definitely the first. So, all right. Okay. So till then fuckers, yep. y'all have a great night. And a good weekend. We'll see you tomorrow. Or mm-hmm. well, she'll see you tomorrow. I'll yep. see you on Sunday. Peace. Bye, y'all. Thanks for watching.